1: This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill.
2: a. Happy hour, Friday, the 1st of 2024, here on the Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app, what it be, one and all. I'm your host, Mike Gill, Josh Hennings, producing today's show, and you out there, we've got a happy hour, Friday, which means we're generally in a pretty good mood, but the Eagles have been a tough team to put us in a good mood. In fact, they have put a lot of people that I know in lousy moods. You know, the good thing about sports teams when they're good is they bring a lot of civic pride with it. Go out to lunch, guy's got the Eagles shirt on or a hat, go Birds. Go to Wawa, get your coffee, guy in front of you got the Eagles shirt on, go Birds. Not a lot of go Birds happening right now. Everywhere I go, it's, this Eagles team stinks. What's up with this Eagles team? And when you're the guy who has my job, that's the only thing anybody wants to talk about, right? So everywhere I go, I gotta try to explain what the hell's wrong with the Eagles right now. It's driving me to drink. Luckily it's Happy Hour Friday. So what do we got? What is driving you to drink about this Eagles team? Hit me up, 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. What do you think is wrong with this team that can't be fixed? Chris Carlin said something interesting today um, on Carlin versus Joe. You know, Chris Carlin, about a month ago, suggested that the Eagles are the best team in football. There were a lot of people who suggested the Eagles are the best team in football. It's time to come to terms with the fact that they're the best team in football. And now... As we enter the 18th and final week of the 2023-24 NFL season, it has turned into a dumpster fire. So much so that Chris Carlin's not even sure where it goes from here next season. I don't know that
3: they're fully prepared for this to be a, a straightforward transition here. This feels like Nick Sirianni got them someplace In a big way, year, what, year two for him? I don't know how much more beyond that we're going to get because he feels like a bit of a front-running coach to me. Is he a guy that's going to be able to not even rally the troops, kind of just get the mojo back
4: to them?
2: So the way I kind of take what he said there was this team may be at the beginning of a downward downward spiral here, and I don't know that this team is going to turn into a four and thirteen team or a you know five and twelve type of team, but it made it sound as if he thinks that maybe Nick Sirianni is not the right coach for a team that is in the middle of the road he's the front running coach when the team has a lot of talent he's the right guy to kind of be the front face of all that but when the team's going through some adversity like that maybe he's not the right guy to help them out and when he said that I thought to myself are we about to see a turn in Eagles football similar to what happened right after they won the Super Bowl in 2017 they were a decent team they made the playoffs a couple times but they weren't Super Bowl good Does anybody feel like this team is about to go in that direction? Or do you guys think that this is kind of a little bit of a bump in the proverbial road after maybe a Super Bowl hangover, but it can easily be fixed? Or are you looking around this roster and wondering, did it just start early? You know, because a lot of times what happens is, You lose that playoff game. You get into the playoffs and you've played well and you're excited about the playoffs, right? And then you get into the playoffs and it's like, man, we just got kind of beat up and manhandled by that team. I didn't see that coming. And it starts a lot of questions. What did we learn from that one playoff game? You know, the Eagles went down to Tampa a couple of years ago and they basically got blown off the field. But that was a good playoff loss for them because it told them that we have to do X, Y, and Z because Tampa Bay is way up here and we're way down here. Yes, we were on the same playoff field, but that's a Super Bowl team and we were just a playoff team. And the Eagles went out and made some changes to get them from a playoff team to a Super Bowl team. So does this team feel like they are about to go in the opposite direction and it just happens sooner? That it didn't take just the playoff loss that knocked them off the pedestal, that it started four weeks early, and it was, huh, it wasn't the playoff loss that you should have saw this coming. It was the loss to Seattle. It was the loss to San Francisco. It was the loss to Dallas. And it was certainly the loss to Arizona. 609 403 0973. 609 403 0973. What is driving you crazy about why this team is what they are right now? I'm interested to see from you guys out there listening. If you're listening in today, send me a text and let me know. What is it about this team that has you bewildered the most about why they are what they currently are? And I see some text messages already coming in, 609 403 0973, because that message from Carlin there was Hey, Eagles fans, you might want to get used to this. This is a unfixable situation. Does he mean that it's unfixable this year, or is it unfixable moving forward? And I thought that was a pretty thought provoking comment from Chris. To play devil's advocate. You changed mics on me again.
4: Sorry about that. The play devil's advocate. So. Which of these is then more true? If the coach is the problem, then the if the coach is the problem, then Carlin is right. But if A.J. Brown is right and the coach isn't the problem, it's the player's problem, then Sirianni, is that a front runner or not? It doesn't matter. So are we saying both are true then?
2: Um. Well, I think he's wondering if Sirianni's – I don't think he's blaming Sirianni. He just might be saying that Sirianni is the good coach with this type of team. Maybe he's not the right coach. You know, there are certain coaches that are good for a rebuild. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want Bill Belichick coaching a team that's in rebuilding mode.
4: Right, we're seeing that in New England.
2: So maybe he's saying Nick Sirianni's the good coach when the team is at its apex. But if the apex is starting to slide downward, he might not be the right person for that.
4: But yet when you have guys like A.J. Brown and Jason Kelsey who have both been outspoken and others about they believe in Nick, they back Nick, Nick's a great coach, Nick's their guy. If you were to get rid of Nick, wouldn't that be a negative in the locker room?
2: Um, sometimes. I mean, look, there's always people that like the coach, not going to get all 53 guys on board. And I understand Kelsey and Brown are some of the better players on this team, although I don't know how much longer Kelsey's even going to be around. That's true. That being said, you know, I don't think AJ Brown is going to say, you know, hey, you fired the coach, and now it's time for... Like, Joel Embiid wasn't a fan of Doc Rivers getting fired or Brett Brown being fired. Giannis Antetokounmpo wasn't a fan of Jason Kidd being fired, but he ended up winning a championship because of it. Now, I'm not suggesting that the Eagles couldn't win a championship with Nick Sirianni, but I think Carlin's take was this team feels like you have... You know, many times you find out about your team's flaws, your team's ultimate warts. Like, you could get through a regular season with 11 wins, 12 wins, 13 wins last year, the Minnesota Vikings. But then ultimately, they lost in the wild card round against a pretty inferior Giants team. And that kind of showed. We had 13 wins, but we still had a lot of problems. The playoffs bring out the problems, right? The regular season, you lose a game, and it's like, okay, we might have had a bad week. We had a bad game plan. A lot of times, that playoff loss is the eye-opening one of we finally got exposed. We were able to cover a lot of our problems throughout the regular season. Mm -hmm. But once we got to the playoffs, those problems got exploited. Well, it seems that the Eagles' problems getting exploited are coming a little early. Now, I guess the question I'm asking in my mind, based off of what he said, is are these problems, problems that are becoming exposed a little early, or are they fixable? You know, we never take into account a lot of times, or many people don't, because it's so week to week in the NFL. And we talked about this yesterday. What if the Eagles were 11 and 5, but one of their losses came in week three, and another loss came in week eight, instead right. of them coming back to back to back, or the way that they did, three out of four?
4: optically people would feel differently do you about feel
2: that. differently about the team I think but because would, yeah. they happened three out of four does it make it seem that hey the warts didn't get shown in the playoff they started to come out now and i don't know you know I definitely think at the end of the day when they lose or if they lose their playoff game and the season comes to an end, we're going to see. Well, we saw a lot of these signs. It happened in San Francisco or against San Francisco. It happened in Dallas. It happened in Seattle. Uh, And it happened against Arizona. Now, the Seattle game is a game that they won early in the year. A game that they didn't play great, but they found a way to win. And that was an awful loss. They probably should have won that game. The Arizona game, it's a game that earlier in the season, they kind of figured out a way to win. Like they didn't play their best, but their offense kind of was, you know, scoring and, you know, they figured out a way to just kind of win that game. Well, here we are in week 16 when that game happens or week 17, I should say, when that game happens. And they couldn't figure out the way to win that game. You know, they had that game earlier. They played the Vikings. They won 34-28. That game against the Commanders where they won 34-31, where their defense couldn't get a stop. And Sam Howell, you know, was just kind of tearing them up up the field. And the Eagles win that game 34-31. They came from behind and just figured out a way to get out of it, even though they didn't play their best. And we were like, you know what? When you're a good team, you find ways to win. But sometimes you just run out of finding ways to win. The Buffalo game. They found a way to win the Buffalo game. They found a way to beat the Commanders the second time. They won that game 38-31. Sam Howell threw for like 400 yards in that game. But in the end, they found a way to get that game and win it. Is it just a matter of, hey, this has been them all season. The Cardinals just found a way to finally get one from you. But that's a game you would have won six, seven, eight weeks ago. That's the frustrating thing about it.
4: So but then is that a coaching issue or a player's issue? So, like, did you did you win those games? Like, for example, we got on here and said, hey, when you're winning those games, it's a sign that this team has resilience and grit and the coaches are are adjusting in game and blah, blah, blah. And now that we're in this losing four out of five games, it's the coaches aren't making the right adjustments and the players don't have grit. So then, do we get back to, you know, people want to blame somebody, Mike? Of course,
2: everybody wants to blame somebody. There has to be somebody at the top of the food chain of the blame. There's never, well, you know what? I'm going to equally blame 25% you, 25% you, 25% you, and 25% you. It is, nope, it's your fault. It's always got to be somebody. And I get it. Like a lot of times in basketball, I'll blame Embiid more than anybody because he's the best player. He's the guy. So when the Sixers lose, I'm not blaming Doc Rivers. I'm not blaming James Harden. I'm blaming Joel and Embiid. So
4: are you blaming the players then?
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, to me, so the players— So then you players, agree with A.J. Brown. I do agree with A.J. In all sports, the players, you know, Colin Thompson, who played in the league, was on Tuesday show, and he said, it's the Jimmys and Joes, not the X's and O's. Coaches always believe I could do a better job. I could put them in better position. But even if you put them in the right position, if you don't have the right guy or a good enough player, much like we talked about yesterday, the play that A.J. Brown pointed out, he talked about there was a play in, I I guess it was the Dallas game. It was the second play of the game. And he said if that play, if one guy doesn't do his job, the play gets blown up. But if that guy did his job, that's a touchdown. The problem was the guy didn't do his job. He got beat at the line of scrimmage, and that blew the play up in the backfield. But if that guy makes the block that he's supposed to, the play looks great. Right. So he's saying the coach called a great play. We just didn't execute it very well. And then the... Finger pointing begins. Why did you run there? That's a terrible play. Right. And A.J. Brown saying, go watch the tape. It wasn't a terrible play. You know, Colin Thompson last night was doing something about PFF grades. And he's asked, like, what do you think of PFF grades? And he says, how are they grading people when they don't know what the play call was? Right. They don't know what that guy was supposed to do on the play. And that is the thing about football in general. Everybody has an assignment. Every single player on that field has an assignment. There is no way for anybody to know what all 11 people's assignments were on that play and whether they executed them perfectly. So yes, this is to me more so a player issue than a coaching issue. Now, I think the coaches can do a better job. I think they can better be better at X, Y, and Z or, but if you're asking me who am I putting more blame on, the players or the coaches? I would say this is more of a player problem than it is a coaching problem. Now, when I ask the question, what is the more, the most disappointing thing about why this team is what it is? Did we overestimate the talent on this team?
4: I think the Eagles did when they built this roster.
2: Did the fans though? Because why did everybody, you know, this team went to the Super Bowl last year. Right. And it wasn't like people thought they got worse.
4: Well, the fans, for lack of a better way of putting it, blindly trusted the Eagles and High Roseman. The fans said... Yeah,
2: but generally, when the fans think Roseman or any team has done something wrong, they're not shy about it. Why did everybody support the moves? Why did everybody think these rules were the right moves? Why did we look at this team and think, this team is better than last year's team? So... It's not the fans. They're not just, you know, blindly jumping on for the ride. If they don't like a move, they're going to let people know. That was a terrible move, Howie. Nobody's afraid of ripping Howie Roseman in his past. And now it's almost like they're blindly agreeing with everything he does. No, I think if the Eagles did something that they didn't support, they would let us know.
4: Well, fans also tend to repeat what they hear as well. Not every fan is independent thinker. So I think there are some. Yeah, people. but you
2: can't find anybody, media, fans, anybody, who didn't think this team was going to be good. I mean, like you're trying to act like, well, we were all like these fans were off base because they just blindly followed. Everybody thought this team was going to be good. So that's my question. Everybody thought this team was going to be good, and it's not that they're not good. They won 11 games, right? But what is the most disappointing part? What has failed them that you didn't think was going to fail them that has put them in this position? What did we overvalue? And I'm interested to see what everybody thinks out there because entering this season, you had A.J. Brown and Smith. You had the two, you know, probably top uh, as a duo, a top three duo in football, if not the best. Right. You've got Dallas Goddard, one of the top five probably pass-catching, blocking, overall tight ends in the game. You've got that offensive line that is pretty much thought of throughout football as the best. So even when you had a team that was mediocre a couple of years ago without A.J. Brown, that offensive line was good enough to get you to the playoffs with nine wins. So what happened on the offensive side of the ball? What did we overvalue on offense? And what have we overvalued on defense? What about this defense, entering the year, did we say this team is really good? And now we're looking at this defense and saying, what
4: in the world happened? I would say there are two answers, for me at least, to that question, Mike. The first answer is I think that we didn't realize that these guys were getting older. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Grand, that we didn't know that the, the – we didn't – we didn't plan for the downward slope to happen as quickly as it has. And the second thing is, I think that we overestimate or underestimate, depending on what angle you come from, the impact of a new defensive coordinator coming in here.
2: 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. It's a happy hour Friday. And uh, Corey, the commander's guy, chimes in. He gives us a nice happy hour Friday to start off. Mudhead Brewing Company's Herd Boy. I haven't had the Herd Boy. Uh, I did just put my list of my favorite 12 IPAs of 2023. And there was a offering from Mudhead Brewing Company that made my list. Check it out at 973ESBN.com. Uh, thank you for starting us off with a good one there. Corey, tell us what you're having this weekend. Uh, Mike, I don't drink, but no pass rush makes me want to grab that <laughs> blackberry from Jason, uh, from, uh, Belcoville. Yeah. Um, the pass rush is one of the more disappointing things, Jason. I agree with you there. I think the lack of pass rush has been maddening at times. Uh, Johnny G, what's up, Johnny G? Chimes in, says the Eagles defense and their ability to put teams away. Offensive play calling, especially later in games and the energy they need to show. Holy mackerel. Um, the offensive play calling, that's one of those things where I think is interesting because When the play doesn't work, we think it's not a good play call. When the play works, we don't really question it. And that's what kind of A.J. Brown was saying. We called a play that should have worked. It wasn't the play call that didn't work. It was the play was not executed correctly. And how many times does that happen throughout a game? He gave the example of the bubble screen third down and 19 against San Francisco. They ran the bubble screen, and it worked. Why? It was executed properly. They ran the same exact bubble screen on the same down and distance against Arizona, and against Arizona it didn't work. Now, you could make the argument, well, that Arizona saw you run that play on tape on that down and distance, and then they sniffed it out and said, hey, on third and 20, they like to run this play, so be prepared for it. That could be a possibility, and that could be a coaching thing, that your tendency is you run that play on that down and distance. I can certainly throw that out there, but Acho's point was you ran that play on that down and distance in a pass game, and it worked. You ran the same game three weeks later in a game or four weeks later in a game, and it didn't work. And his thing was – Is that players or is that coaches?
4: Well, that that is where I would say there's a coaching issue as well because AJ Brown can point to execution on that play, but the reality is he's not mentioning who's on the other side of the field. Chris Long brought this up on his Green Light podcast. We played it earlier this week. John Gannon knows these players. He knows these people. So he may not know every play in the playbook, but he knows people's tendencies and their the you know the the minutia of these people very well. And when you run a play that maybe has already been on tape, he may be able to recognize it sooner maybe than somebody else would.
2: So would we suggest that if they weren't playing in Arizona, that play would have worked?
4: Maybe. Because maybe Gannon says during the week, during his tape study, hold on, I've seen this play before. And then he goes back to the 49ers play in his mind and says, hey, guys, we're going to change this play at the line of scrimmage. Boom, boom, boom. Calls the play in. Players adjust. So, to me, that's a bit of a coaching thing.
2: Uh Jerry and Absekin says they let too many great players go. Why Lurie didn't pay them not to leave, especially on defense? Well, a lot of times, Jerry, you got to keep in mind there is a salary cap, so you can't just pay everybody to stay.
4: Yeah, but see, the counter to that is people would say, but Howie Roseman, that his expertise is manipulating the salary cap.
2: Yeah, I mean, to an extent. You can't just say, hey, we're going to pay every single guy what they got, on the open market to stay here. I mean, that is unattainable, especially when you had to make the decision you did at quarterback.
4: Right. Like, look, we talked about Hargrave yesterday. He got a huge contract with the 49ers. But T.J. Edwards didn't get a massive contract. He got a a solid, good contract. But it's not like the Bears overpaying What is
2: their salary cap situation is one question. So which guys did they let go that you could say they could have easily figured out a way to keep them into the salary cap. I think that is something to look at. Uh Jeff at Ocean City says, entering the season, we knew the defense would struggle and the offense would need to produce. The offense came up small at Seattle and at home against Arizona, and that is the biggest disappointment. Entering a, uh, excuse me, he says, enjoying a Kate May always ready on happy hour Friday. Well, Jeff, you're always ready but it doesn't seem the Eagles have been ready the last couple of weeks.
4: Now, according to OverTheCap.com, one of the sites that does all these calculations, the Eagles do have around $29 million in cap space right now. So in theory, they could have maybe absorbed, for example, yeah. T.J. Edwards' contract.
2: Uh, Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN. Coming up, Mike McGarry. What? is at stake in this game on Sunday. How big of a game is it, or is it almost like another preseason game? We'll get Mike's thoughts on that. Sal Palantonio. What does Sal think about the state of this Eagles team? 3 o'clock today, Adam Kaplan football at 4, six pack of picks, the Friday 5, and more. This is a happy hour Friday edition of the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. It's the
1: Mike Gill. Keeping the fans entertained and happy. On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app.
5: The Eagles right now, their 2023 season can be summed up in one word. Disorganized. They look like a disorganized outfit. From top to bottom, Nobody can figure them out. I don't think they can figure themselves out. They have been disorganized from the start of the season. They're disorganized now. And disorganized is not the attribute of a team that makes a deep pressure. That
2: was Joe Fortenball on Carlin vs. Joe. Call the Eagles a disorganized team. It's interesting. A team that seemed to have nothing go wrong for it last year. Is being viewed as disorganized with a lot of the same people? Or is there something telling about that? Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City here on a happy hour Friday joins us now. Eagles and Giants kind of is in the background, Mike. Do you agree with that comment that this team looks like a disorganized organization, which by many people look at the Eagles as one of the standards in the NFL? Yeah, I don't view them as being
6: disorganized. I mean, this is a team that I I know they were 10 and 1, but they've still won 11 games. And if you want to go complain about a team being disorganized or bemoan your fate as an 11 win team, you know, take a drive up the Garden State Parkway or the Turnpike and ask Giants fans how they're doing or Jets fans how they're doing. I mean, I think what happened to the Eagles is they came into the season, not the team they were last year for a variety of factors, and they were just exposed by a tough stretch of the schedule. I mean, I wonder how we would think about them if a lot of these tough games and therefore losses were kind of sprinkled throughout the schedule rather than all coming at once.
2: Yeah, it's almost like last year's uh, season where, you remember this, uh, we talked about it a lot. Well, they really haven't beaten anybody, yet they kind of found themselves at 14 wins and into the Super Bowl, even though a lot of people said, well, they never really beat anybody. Well, this year they did beat a lot. I think this is the interesting part about it. They have 11 wins. And they did beat some good teams. They beat Buffalo, a team that a lot of people think, Mike, could go to the Super Bowl as long as they make the playoffs. They beat Miami. They beat Dallas. They beat Kansas City. They have some quality wins. So are they just hitting a rough patch of the season or are there so many warts that are coming out that are easy to see that there's more to it than just that?
6: Well I think there are I think there are warts, right? And and we saw the signs early in the season through those wins, but I just think defensively they're not the same team that they were last year for a variety of reasons and uh and offensively you know Jalen Hurts although he has had an excellent season and you know you you hear Sirianni pointed out in his press conferences I mean for the first 10 11 weeks of the season people were talking about Jalen Hurts as a possible MVP candidate but he has not had the season that he had last year both with our eyes looking at them and, and, and statistically, so to me, what has happened to the Eagles is what has happened to you know a lot of teams coming off a, a Super Bowl loss. It's tough to get back to the Super Bowl. It's tough not that you know lose members of your coaching staff, lose players off the team, and I think you know the ten and one start and the Super Bowl appearance last year kind of raised expectations, and then even the wins over Kansas City and Buffalo kind of like bolstered those expectations like maybe they're going to get through this tough stretch and now when they've hit a rough patch it's almost like to me as if the pendulum has swung completely and too far the opposite
2: way mike mcgarry for the press of atlantic city here on the sports bash 97.3 espn on a happy hour friday you know um there's a lot of conversation around this locker room aj brown not the coaches this is the players fault uh he's sticking up for the coaches and said hey Nick Sirianni sticking up for us. We made him look like a fool. And then Sirianni today basically, you know, came out and and he had his things to say uh, regarding where this team is. Did A.J. Brown, speaking the other day, and now that we've had two days and now you've heard a couple other things, do enough to kind of steady the ship to get this team back on a playoff run?
6: Yeah, I don't think it can be steadied by off-the-field comments or or press conferences. It has to be steadied by... You know, the play on the field. I think they need to go into what is going to be a kind of a weird situation on Sunday. Like how is it going to exactly play out? Right? But I think no matter what happens, even if they look up at the scoreboard in the third quarter and they see Dallas is pounding Washington. And by the way, don't put it past the Cowboys to go in there and throw a shoe against Washington, basically. And all of a sudden the Giants beat the Eagles, uh, the Eagles beat the Giants, and then they're the number two seed, and then Monday we're talking, and everybody's back on the bandwagon, right? But I think more than anything, they just need to play while the starters are out there on Sunday, they need to play a a good football game. They need to look crisp on both offense and and defense. And then you go into the playoffs and let the chips fall where they may. I, I think they've got, even if they're the number five seed, I think they've got a good opportunity to go on the road and win that, you know, game against the four seed. But then, obviously, the next week, you going out to San Francisco would be a very tough game.
2: Well, Mike, uh, before you came on, you know, we talked about... Chris Carlin said something today that was kind of interesting. You know, he said... He kind of makes it sound like he thinks that the team hit its apex with that Super Bowl and now is starting to go the opposite direction and wonders if Sirianni's the right guy if the team's going down as opposed to going the opposite direction. A lot of times, Mike, when you go to the playoffs, you find out a lot about yourself. Two years ago, they got blasted by Tampa Bay, and they realized Tampa's up here they're a Super Bowl team. We're just a playoff team. And they went out and got a lot of fixes. And then they went to the Super Bowl. A lot of times that playoff loss tells you a lot about who they are or who you are. But did they find out about who they are a lot earlier this year than what's going to happen to them possibly in the playoffs?
6: Yeah, I think they found out who they are through this tough stretch of games. And and if you look at it, you know, and you've got to be realistic about it. You know, they could have also lost the Kansas City and Buffalo games, too. I mean, they kind of pulled those games out. You know, Kansas City kind of beat itself with a drop pass and some turnovers in the red zone. And then you need a 59 yard field goal in the driving rain to force overtime against Buffalo, or they might have lost that game. So I think no matter what happens in the playoffs, and again, I think the playoffs are going to play out exactly as I as I just said. I think the Eagles have a very good idea right now of who they are, what their strengths are going forward, and what their weaknesses are. But what I would remind people, and again, I hate to be in the position of reminding Eagles fans about this or defending Sirianni here, you have a coach that has led the team to three straight playoff berths. No matter what has happened this season, they are going to win 11 or 12 games in the regular season, and you have a franchise quarterback going forward. Do you have some things you need to replace? Do you have some spots where you're aging maybe on the offensive line Maybe on the defensive line, you need young players to get better in a hurry. But what does every team want? Every team wants that franchise quarterback and that successful coach. And it's hard to argue with Sirianni's track record or the way Jalen Hurts played last year or this year, albeit he has not been as good as he was last year.
2: Mike, for this weekend, they're playing the Giants. Giants are obviously a rotten uh, outfit this season. Does the outcome of this game matter at all well
6: not not in the uh, the micro of obviously where they're going to be seated yes and again I I I caution you know it, it wouldn't we, any of us – will we'd be shocked, but it would be completely – would it be completely out of character for Dallas to go in there and get beat by Washington, although I don't think it's going to happen. But if a team was going to get beat on the road when they had a chance to win a division, that's right up the Cowboys' alley, right? That's Dak Prescott's M.O. That's Mike McCarthy's M.O. Uh, so I don't think it matters, obviously, as seating. But, again, I think this season has told you – what the Eagles are and where they need to improve and where they don't need to improve. Obviously, the defense needs to be, you know, reworked or revamped. And in today's NFL, you can, you know, you can do that through free agency.
2: Right. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, like if the Eagles tried to win this game, sent their guys out and lost again, I mean, at that point, do you look at that, even though it's a meaningless game in terms of the standing, like if Dallas wins and yet you played and tried to win and lost again to the Arizona one week, the Giants the next, that's what I mean. Like, do you look at that if that happens and say, my gosh, we just lost to Arizona and New York back-to-back. We we might have to reevaluate much more than we thought.
6: Yeah, I, I think you should be reevaluating – uh, and obviously it would be further. But if they lost, it depend on how they lost the game, too. If the scenario that you just described happened, to me, how is it going to happen? It's going to be the Giants beating them the way Arizona beat them. It's going to be a 35-31 game. The Giant defense isn't going to go in there and shut down the Eagles' offense, right? It's going to be the Giants sort of having their way against the Eagles' defense. And I think if the Eagles are being honest with themselves, they know that their defense has not been good all season. They know it's gotten worse as the season goes on. They know a lot of the young players they drafted have not been, have not developed or been what they were supposed to do. And they know they're aging on the defensive line, right? So they know, and in the secondary, so they know that defense has to be revamped. And, you know, what happens on Sunday shouldn't change that evaluation. I mean, even if they go in there and win 35-31, you're not going to feel any good about your defense, Uh, because uh, you gave up 31 points to the Giants even though you won the game.
2: Uh, Yesterday, I suggest, uh, Mike, in my opinion, I I think the Eagles should just tank the week, get everybody off the field and get them away from playing football for a week. Do you think it's more, um, you know, a positive for them to actually play and hope that they can get something back, something can click, that they can get that feeling? Or do you think they need to get away from the game maybe, clear the mind, get the bodies right, and take your best swing two weeks from now as the five seed?
6: Yeah, I I think you got to play it down the middle, right? I don't think that you have a chance to win the division. You cannot tank this game. You have to play your guys with a chance to win a division because, again, we all think that Dallas is going to beat Washington, but, you know, who knows? Uh, Having said that, I also think it's important like, not to treat this game like it's a preseason game, but I almost think it's like the old third preseason game used to be. If you look up for the third quarter and Dallas is up on Washington by 21 points, then I think you get Hurts out of the game, you get your key starters out of the game, and you rest for the playoffs next year, next week, right? But while they're in the game, I think it's important for the Eagles starters, both offensively and defensively, to play crisp to play well, to sort of change the narrative going into the playoffs and go into the playoffs with some energy and some optimism. I think it's important that they play
2: and and play well while they're in the game. Uh, Mike McGarry for the Press of Atlantic City. Giants going through a terrible season, but they can add to the Eagles' misery this Sunday. And uh, what is it, Tyrod Taylor getting the start or are they going back to Tommy Cutlitz?
6: No, it'll be uh it'll be Tyrod Taylor back in the game, and it's and it's a Giants team that's been competitive. You know, they took the Rams right to the wire, and I'm sure the Giants would like nothing better than to beat the Eagles. I mean, they have you know the Eagles have been a thorn in their side for what seems to be a decade now. So I'm sure the Giants would like to get some sort of measure of satisfaction, and and you're going to be facing a motivated uh you know uh, a motivated Giants team. Uh, that's gonna look to kind of end the season on a, ah. on an upbeat note and what has been a sort of miserable, disappointing season overall.
2: It has been. Uh, Mike McGarry from the press of Atlantic City, uh, high school basketball underway. I see, uh, mainland's football team is getting recognized tomorrow. I see some, I uh, saw mainland battle, uh, at the beach. Got, uh, an opponent for, uh, when's that in August, uh, coming up? Yeah. Uh, they're gonna yeah, play Yeah, Camden, August right?
6: coming up, right? Some, they announced two games today. Uh, big games for the battle at the beach. Holy Spirit against Millville, which is a you know a matchup of two teams bringing back a lot of talent in Mainland and Camden. So uh, it, it's January. We're sitting here. We're we're freezing in January, but uh, we can all fast forward to Labor Day weekend by the by the ocean where we're watching some great high school football.
2: Yeah, man. Well, uh, the New Year's here, and uh, the Eagles' season in 2023 looked very promising. In 2024. It has not been so good so far, but the first game as the calendar flips is on Sunday at 425 right here on 97.3 ESPN. All right, Mike, good to talk to you, bud.
6: All right, and don't forget, interesting NBA game tonight. You know, the Knicks at the Sixers. That's right. Let's keep that in our back pocket to discuss on Monday, all right? I like that.
2: Now, did you like the trade? I I did like
6: the trade. I thought the Knicks had kind of gone as far as they could with Barrett and – and Quigley, and bringing in Anobi, a 3-and-D type of guy, enhances the defense and, and makes him a little bit of a better team. So I am interested to see how the Knicks sort of perform tonight against uh, you know, a Sixers team that obviously is playing very well. So I just think it's an interesting little measuring stick game for the Knicks
2: tonight, That's right. 7.30 right here on 97.3 ESPN. All right, Mike, thanks for reminding me about that.
6: All right, we'll see you down (laughs) the road. Anything I can do to help you guys out, (laughs) I I, I will.
2: Talk to you later. Take care. Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City here on the Sports Bash, live 97.3 ESPN. Yeah, Sixers-Knicks tonight. I forgot about that, actually. So wrapped up into the Eagles. And uh, the issue's there. The text board has exploded, by the way. I thank everybody who's listening. If you're out there listening, send me a text, 609-403-0973. And I want you to pinpoint in your mind what has disappointed you the most about this Eagles team. If I were to say Joe and Summer's point, what disappointed you the most so far about this Eagles team? Like, what did you think— was going to be something that was really good and has been so disappointing i got that on the other side i got sal palantonio i got happy hour friday and while i was on vacation i did a couple little brewery tours and i have my 12 favorite ipas of 2023 over at 973 espn.com i'm going to share you share them with you guys later on in the show for happy hour friday of course and that's all today
7: on the sports bash
1: The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app.
2: 253, Mike Gill with you. I want to tell you about my friends at Progressive Fence and Railing. They're your secret weapon. You know, the weather's been so nice out. We really haven't had like a winter, winter, winter. Is that about to come? Are we about to get winter, winter? Well, if we are, you want to fight it early. Maybe you get, think about the spring. Get yourself a nice new deck, a nice new backyard fence or railing, a new awning. They've got the Magic Touch Progressive Fence and Railing, and they've got finance options that can fit your budget. Grab your free estimate today. Visit ProgressiveFenceandRail.com. Sal Palantonio, ESPN, going to join me on the other side in about six minutes from now. He's going to give us uh, what he's hearing. At the NovaCare Complex, I got a lot of text messages. Mike, the inability to stop the run, giving up an average of 150 yards per game since the bye is driving me nuts. The D-line on paper is great. The field, on the field, they stink. Can't stop the run or get pressure. Can the offense score 38 points per game in the postseason? They will have to in order to win. That's from Phil and Brigantine. Phil, I agree with you. The inability for the defensive front to basically, what is the identity of this defense and the offense? It's the offensive line and the defensive line. The defensive line is not holding up their end to the bargain so far. If the back end isn't as good, you can't expose them as much. And by not exposing them as much, I need more from the guys I paid the money to. So I agree with you, Phil. That is something that is really Disappointing Because there were so many games this year where you were like, well, the Eagles should win up front and just dominate there. But I think we should have saw signs of that against Washington and against the Jets, where the Eagles' defensive front had a clear advantage and they didn't dominate. South Palantonio next. City. This is the Sports Bash with
1: Mike Gill. On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill.
3: I think it's secure. Uh, You go to the postseason, first three years as a head coach, you go to the Super Bowl in your second year. I realize there's been somewhat of an implosion. It's definitely bad around the team, and they've got to get it together, and they all understand that. And remember, Howie Roseman and Jeff Lurie, fired the only coach that ever won them a super bowl and that was doug peterson and they did it a couple of years after he won it. so they have shown impatience in the past
2: that was South sal palantonio on television he's on the radio here on the sports pass live on 97.3 espn i'm mike gill sal palantonio espn joins me now are the eagles going to be impatient are they losing patience Let's bring him in right now to discuss what's going on with this Eagles team. When we last spoke, Sal Powell, things seemed to be, uh, you know, going in a good direction. It felt like a lot different. Here we are in 2024, and things don't feel so good anymore. Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year, Mike Gill. And we have gone through a lot of bad oceans since the last time we
3: talked. And by the way, thank you to Johnny G, the Griner team, Burger Realty in Ocean City, New Jersey, for all the support for our show, for me on your show on the Sports Bash on Friday afternoons. And, you know, when I said that, I was trying to be as measured as possible and obviously leave the door open. I wasn't closing it, but I think it's important for people to realize that they're in a very difficult situation, challenging situation, and unique situation. You have a, a, a head coach, you have a quarterback with a a, a quarter of a billion-dollar deal. They were 10-1. and one. They are in the playoffs. You can't have the word circulating around the team that the head coach may be on the hot seat. And I don't think he is on the hot seat. I don't. I know there's a lot of talk about it, but I don't think that he is
2: yet. Sal, A.J. Brown said it's not the coaches. So do you agree with him that the problems the Eagles are having – is it more of a coaching issue to you or a player issue? Do you agree with A.J. Brown that this is more on lack of talent?
3: I think it's, a, it's definitely lack of talent on defense. I think that's why you see they have the worst record in the NFL uh, playing man coverage. Opposing quarterbacks have a very high QBR 26 touchdown passes, only five interceptions against man coverage. They're not equipped to play man coverage. They're not young enough. They're not fast enough. They don't have the versatility in their secondary. They've been decimated with injuries, and that's, I think, the number one reason why they have such a leaky pass coverage. Uh, In their pass rush, you look at it right now, Fletcher Cox has more defensive snaps than Jordan Davis and uh, Jalen Carter, Mike. Fletcher Cox is 33. Mm-hmm. Jalen Carter is 22. Jordan Davis is 23 years old. We're talking about a guy who's 10 and 11 years older than these two young fellows from Georgia, and he's got almost 200 more defensive snaps. They rely more on Fletcher Cox than they do on the young players that they have brought in to replace him. They can't do anything with Fletcher Cox. As far as I'm concerned, he's got to come back next year. But they have a big, fat hole at defensive tackle. That's why they've had issues rushing the passer up the middle. Let's put more pressure on their edge rushers. So it's definitely, I think, an issue of personnel on defense. On offense, I think it's scheme and approach and philosophy. And that goes to everybody, starting with Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni. I think it goes to everybody.
2: You know, Sal, uh, it's funny. You mentioned Fletcher Cox. We talked about this yesterday. Jayden Carter only plays 48% of the snaps, and yet it looks like he's kind of hit the wall a little bit. Is the pass rush on this team the most disappointing thing about what has happened to this team?
3: I would say so. Like They had 63 pass rushes by edge rushers against the Cardinals on Sunday. 63. And it resulted in one quarterback pressure. That's an, that's an incredible film study note that we did on the NFL matchup show. And that tells you that they have an inferior pass rush right now. So you look, let's look at, and maybe it's creativity on the defensive coaches. So you, you look at the Dallas Cowboys. They are number four in the league in stunts on their defensive line. Games where they loop guys or they move guys around post-snap. So-called stunts. Everybody pretty much knows what I'm talking about. The Eagles are in the bottom five in the league in stunts. They just line up and rush and hope to beat their man one-on-one, and they're not beating them. Not very creative. Cowboys are more creative. Hate to say it, but it's true.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I want to get. Um, you mentioned Sirianni, and and you you know kind of measuredly don't think that he would be any trouble. But would he or the staff be in any danger if they lose and go one and done in the playoffs? Are we looking at that like, hey, this is still in limbo. Like, If you go to the playoffs and go to Tampa Bay and lose, would that change uh, our measured approach? It would be total malfeasance on the
3: part of the Eagles organization if this team was one and done in the playoffs and they didn't take a critical look at the entire operation top to bottom every player on the team I mean they have to look at how to improve Jalen Hurts they have to look at their coaching staff they have to look at how Nick Sirianni managed things and they have to make decisions about a lot of players and a lot of coaches now I am never ever ever and I've said this many times before on your show Mike Gill Never been in the business of calling for the head coach or any coach to be fired. I deal with these people all the time. It it impacts their families, and it's not something that I like to do. More important, if you're going to advocate for someone to get fired, you have to look around and see who's available. Be careful what you wish for. It's a very difficult thing to fire a head coach who's gone to the playoffs Mm -hmm. three straight years, who's got a promising young quarterback. I know he's not played well, but he is definitely a, a franchise quarterback. They made him one, fire them all, and then bring in somebody else and expect a better result quickly. You fire a head coach, you are reconfiguring completely what you're doing on offense. It's tough to do. And I don't see a, if, you, if you and I were to be on the radio for an hour, Could we come up with really five coaches right now who could step in and do a better job than Nick Sirianni?
2: I don't think so. I think we'd be hard-pressed to find one or two. Well, one of the things that is perplexing, I guess, to people is, and, and I ask this question a lot, Sal. He had a role in their success of going to the Super Bowl last year. Absolutely. So what was that role, and what is his role in why this team has completely hit rock bottom? Well, that's a
3: major philosophical question that I think you and I will have to definitely look at after the season. You know, obviously Shane Steichen had a major, major role in the success of the offense last year. That's painfully obvious to anybody who sees what's going on with the Colts right now, where he's the head coach, and what's going on with the Eagles offense, which seems to have lost its identity. I think the number one thing that this team has to look at now, right now, Mm -hmm. heading to the Meadowlands, on a crappy, crappy Sunday full of freezing rain, cold, maybe some snow, is they have to figure out what they are, what their identity is
2: offensively. So you would play oh, guys this 40, week.
3: 40, let's, let's look at 40 –
2: I'm sorry, Mike, I apologize. What did you say? You would play the guys this week, not sit them out. You're going to play them and try to see if you can get them. No,
3: definitely not. I am not advocating that. Okay. What I'm advocating is this week in practice – during the Giants game, when you can do it and next week in practice, find an identity. And and I was going to say, and here's the point that I was going to make, and I'm sorry that I interrupted you. I apologize. In the second half against the Cardinals, they had 46 offensive snaps, and A.J. Brown had one target. Mm. In those 46 snaps, one target, one catch for 18 yards, and it was their longest play of the second half. Mike? You can't have your number one wide receiver, a pro bowl wide receiver, your best player on offense other than your quarterback, have only one target in a game where you're having problems moving the football and keeping the football on the field in your offense when you only have 20 minutes of offensive possession. It can't happen. And that's on the quarterback and that's on the offensive coaching staff. So find an identity. You have two pro bowlers in your skill players on offense, Swift And Brown, you have two pro Bowlers on your offensive line. Pound the football with Swift and use A.J. Brown and define easy throws for Jalen Hurts. Go back to what you do the best. We have a great piece, Mike, on the Matchup Show, which is on tomorrow morning on ESPN2. Greg Cosell, Darius Butler, and I break down the Eagles offense and talk about them going back to their identity. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. Forget about the bubble screens to Kenneth Gainwell. Just throw it, take that and throw it in the trash. Burn it if you have to. Don't bring that stuff out. Go back to what you do. Yeah. Play power football with Swift. Gainwell on the edges. Jalen Hurts runs the ball because you probably won't have Devontae Smith this week. Brown and Goddard. Now, as for playing the players this week, I don't know how much he's going to play the starters. I really don't. If it looks like Dallas is getting uh, is just boat racing Washington, I think he pulls a lot of the players. I do, especially on that field at yeah. the Meadowlands uh,
2: in the bad weather. I really do. Um, Sal, I know we're short on time, but I want to get a couple more. Does this team need major changes that you're seeing, or are they just going through the ups and downs of a long 18-week season? It's a good question.
3: I saw your note this morning. I thought a lot about it. Let's let things play out. I think that they need an overhaul in their secondary, an overhaul in their defensive philosophy. Uh, I think that the defense is something that Howie Rosen is going to have to address in free agency and in the draft and in picking the right coaches. Yes. So with all that said, that means to me it's hard to change the coach the head coach if you're going to do that but let's see how things play out these are smart coaches these are coaches that went to the super bowl last year with the exception of steichen patricia designed one of the greatest defensive plays of all time malcolm butler's interception of russell wilson in the super bowl when he was with the patriots that was his design and his execution he made that call for belichick he's a smart smart coach Let's see what they do. They have a lot of talent, pro bowl talent on the team, four pro bowlers on offense. Only the Niners have more. You have Jalen Hurts. The fine thing for things for Jalen Hurts. Let's say Dallas wins, Mike. Yep. And the Eagles are stuck at five. They can go to Tampa and beat Tampa in the wild card game, Mike. They sure. can do that. Sure.
2: You can make an argument that they played their best game of the season down in Tampa early early this year, but, you know, they, it was 25-11, but it might have been their most dominating complete game.
3: You can go down to Tampa and win a wild card game, and then you're one way win away from the NFC Championship game. And let's remind everybody, they have had 15 different starters in their secondary. No team with a winning record is even close to that number. I'm not saying that injuries are an excuse, but they have reconfigured the team. They've tried to get through the bad injuries they've had in the secondary. Mm. It's hard to have a good pass defense when you have 15 different players playing your secondary. So that's one major thing that you look at and say, okay. But the big problem to me that's not injury-related is the play of Jalen Hurts. He needs to be defined in what he does and just let the ball rip. Trust what he sees and let it go, because he's not really hitting on his second and third progressions very much in this that I've seen in the last couple of games. So I'm interested to see what they do in this game, but I'm more more interested and if and that game is in Tampa. I think it'll be a Monday night or on ESPN.
2: I really do. Oh, we agree on that. I told my father that today at lunch. He said, do you know when the Eagles will play? I said, I actually think it will be Monday night, four verse five. Because that was
3: the four-five last year. It was a Monday night
2: game, too. Well, happy New Year, Sal Palantonio. Eagles-Giants Sunday, 425. It's the final regular season game. And, of course, uh, he appeared right here uh, on the show. Thank you, Sal. Talk to you next week, Mike. Thanks. Absolutely. Sal Palantonio, everybody, here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Got to believe in the Eagles, baby. You got to believe in the Eagles, he's saying. Um, he talked a lot about the coaching staff. He talked a lot about what this team did a year ago in terms of they had this – a lot of coaches on this staff went to the Super Bowl. Remember, Brian Johnson was here. Um, He was a part of that staff. Obviously, Nick. This team here, as he talked about the lack of talent on the defensive side of the ball, he talked about the secondary needing an overhaul, the pass rush being the most disappointing thing. He did mention the offensive scheme and approach and philosophy as something that's a problem. And he talked a little bit at the end there that, um, you know, you have two pro bowlers, A.J. Brown and you got uh, – uh Swift all season long Swift and Smith have like thrown me off here and the fact that one's Devonta and the other one's Devontae is, is like uh DeAndre Swift I mean they've been throwing me off all season long here so Swift is a pro bowler right. Brown is a pro bowler and he mm-hmm. said look you got to get more targets for Brown he had 125 yards six straight games what happened to that what happened to him in the offense You have two pro bowlers on the offensive line. You got a pro bowl running back. Hand him the ball. Go behind that line. And we know the other guys who didn't make the pro bowl. And just because you made the pro bowl doesn't mean X, Y, or Z. But I think his point was you got Brown. Get him the ball. You got Swift. Hand him the ball. You got two offensive linemen that are the top of the, of their position. Let them pave the way. And then the guys who were just the other guys, Smith is a heck of a player goddard's a heck of a player you got my is a really good tackle in this league so and he was the other guy jergens is the other guy who didn't make the uh who made it kelsey
4: well kelsey johnson and dickerson all made the pro so you
2: got three ball. pro bowlers on the offensive line right. he said two so there's three
4: well he's probably saying two starters gotcha because there's one guy who's not a starter. who's that if I remember correctly, it's it's Johnson and Dickerson are the starters, and Kelsey's not a starter. Gotcha. The 49ers guy, I forget his name, is the starter. But the, the point is is that whether they're starting or not, you have three of your five starting offensive linemen are pro bowlers. Your running back, as you said, is a pro bowler. Devo- A.J. Brown is a pro bowler. Maybe Devontae Smith doesn't drop like five balls. He's a pro bowler, right? The, the point is that you have all this talent, so why are you struggling? And it's an excellent point that has to be asked in – you know, whether whether you – depends on who you believe. And I, I throw it back to the audience when they texted it 609-403-0973. Do you believe what A.J. Brown says, don't blame the coaches, blame the players? Or do you agree with someone like Chris Carlin who says, I'm pointing the finger at the coach?
2: <laughs> it's the age-old argument. Fans tend to blame the, the, the coaches yep. and the players' seem to point the finger at themselves. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean, I think there's accountability from both. Like, people think in the NBA that I think that you could put just a, um, you know, a blind guy coaching the team <laughs> and that he's not looking at any of the action and that he just has no impact at all. That's not my stance on the NBA coach at all. Um, I think the NBA coach has a role. I think the NBA coach is important, but I don't think he's why you win and lose every single game like a lot of people do. People act like, you know, you go 50, you know, 55 win seasons and the 55 wins the coach has no impact on. But the amount of losses that you add up, it's always the coach who lost all of those games. So I can't get on board with that. Uh, Mike, if the Eagles go one and done and they lose that one at home, what if? Well, that would be highly unlikely for them to get a home game and lose it because they're most likely going to have to go on the road now that they're the uh, the five seed.
4: Yeah, the only I mean unless way-
2: Dallas loses this weekend and Philadelphia wins, you're going to play on the road.
4: And there are some people who wonder if that could happen because the Cowboys are playing on the road. They're not a good road team, and Washington has been a very, very erratic team this year. So, you know, there there is you know that slight, tiny chance they can have a home game, but. It's, yeah, the, the fact like of the matter 90% is, percent likely they have a road game.
2: Yeah, they're not going to play a home game unless there are, you know, unless there's an upset this weekend. If Dallas gets upset and you win, the upset would be you winning. Uh, would be Dallas getting upset. Correct. Now, some people would say that the upset might be Philadelphia winning. The way that's how bad it's gotten. But if Dallas loses and you win, you would then win the division and you would get a home game. Right. And to answer that guy's hypothetical. What if they go one and done and lose that one at home? Well, you need a lot of help for that to happen. But if you went one and done and lost that game at home, if you hosted a home playoff game, you would most likely face the Rams or the Packers. I mean, theoretically, you would be favored in 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 that instance, you would think.
4: Right. You would be favored just because they're a lower seed and you're at home. That's literally a- Are the
2: Eagles gonna be a road favorite though? You're saying just because they're the lower seed. Are the Eagles a five? And last year Dallas as the five was the, was favored on the road against Tampa, if I remember. Right. So would Philly be favored at Tampa?
4: It's a good question. I would incline to say that probably Tampa would favor by like minus one and a half, like one of those kind of lines. Hmm. Where it's kinda of like, you know, the the book gives a marginal edge to Tampa to try to manipulate the money a couple of different ways. Um, that's just my my working theory.
2: James yeah. from Delaware. I like that, James. He mm-hmm. actually spelled it out like that. Delaware. Um, who's more likely to win, New York or Washington? They both dislike their division rivals. Who's more likely to win? Probably New York. Although Washington, I mean, New York's at home too, but Philadelphia has kind of owned the Giants no matter where they've played them. yeah. Washington is just been awful.
4: They're a team that doesn't have an identity at all. I mean, let's just be realistic; they have zero identity, Mike. So, how that's part of the
2: question is: you got two awful teams. Which one of these awful teams? Washington is four and twelve. They've lost seven straight times. Their defense has given up four. 180 points. I said 480. The next closest team to 480, okay, is 434, the Cardinals. I mean, you're talking about almost 50 points more than the next team in terms of points that you've given up. And if you were to talk about Washington at the beginning of the year, hey, what's the strong suit of this team? Well, they got a really good defense. You know, they got Sweat and they've got Chase Young They've drafted first-round guys on that defense over and over and over again, and they've given up almost – they could give up at the end of the year. They're going to give up over 500 points. Dallas is going to score 20 on them, and if that happens, they're going to give up 500 points this year. I mean, that's horrible. So which team has a better shot of winning? I think the Giants is the answer to the question.
4: Yeah, I mean, the Giants almost beat them already, so why can't they do it?
2: Well, I mean, sure. We always look at, well, you already beat them one time, or almost beat them one time. It's like the, um, the. The Dolphins scored 70 against Denver. If they played again, would they score 70 again against them? No, of course not. So whatever happened the first time, you know, Philadelphia and Washington played twice this year, and both games were crazy shootouts, 38-31, 34-31, something like that. Now, Philadelphia and Dallas, Philadelphia beat Dallas once this year, and then Dallas smashed them the second time. So what would happen the third time? I can't get anything based off the two results I got, or can I?
4: Well, I think you can. St- 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 to me, styles make fights. So you got. to Yeah, look but at the, the style makes the
2: fight. You beat Dallas once, and then they beat you handily.
4: You also had three fumbles in the scoring range in that game. So but that's my that that
2: point. The style doesn't. It styles does make the fight, but it's not the only answer to the question. Sure. You played one team twice. You split the games. So, did the style make the fight?
4: A bit, because it was in Dallas. I think that is a factor as well. Dallas is undefeated at home this year why the Lions lost
2: the game. Uh, Eagles are what are they favored this weekend? I haven't even seen the lines. I haven't seen the lines this weekend's They Lions are
4: favored, so but I don't have the number in front of me. So I think it was like five and a half or something like that.
2: Sports Batch Live, 973 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN Free Mobile app. Thanks to Sal Palantonio. The sports Bash is brought to you by the Gallery Bar Book and Games at Ocean Casino Resort. Go to the gallery, go to Ocean, go for the win! For more info, visit theocean8c.com gambling problem call 1-800-gambler. Five and a half. Eagles are favored by five and a half? Yep. Hmm. A Little surprising. Uh, when we come back, what does Hassan Reddick think one of the issues has been with this demise? You'll hear from Hassan Reddick next here on the sports batch on 97.3 ESPN. It's the
1: Mike Gill. Do I
5: have everybody's attention
1: now? On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app.
2: Four o'clock today, Adam Kaplan's going to join us from Inside the Birds podcast at InsideTheBirds.com. Got my Friday Five coming up in just a little bit. I'm Mike Gill. This is the Sports Bash. Mike from Wildwood chimes in on the text Sports. 609-403-0973. Says, guys, we also have to remember that the only reason why the birds beat the boys at the link is because Dak stepped out of bounds. Well, that's insignificant. Everything, there's not one play that was the reason why somebody won and lost a game. I mean, sure, he stepped out of bounds. That's why they lost. The game went in that direction. Dak stepped out of bounds, hence they lost the game. Are we supposed to go through every single game and say, well, this happened, you know, this guy missed the block, and that's why this play didn't work, and then that's why this team lost. It doesn't matter why they lost, they lost. And that point of that is, Mike, is that the Eagles have beaten the Cowboys this year. The way the Eagles are playing, you would have think that the Eagles shouldn't even step on the same field as a team like Dallas. Well, they already have stepped on the field, and they beat them this year, regardless of the circumstances. They won the game. Um And, Josh, you're right. They The game against Dallas, we went back over that game. They fumbled three times, and because of those fumbles— it really turned that game upside down in his head if you look at the time of possession and the plays and the yardage the game was not dominated as much as you would see the score if right. you looked at that score you would say Dallas dominated the game right if you looked at the stats you look back and say man the stats don't really suggest that Dallas dominated this game
4: and that's why you have to watch the game because you would see where they fumbled the ball is significant Mike, if they just get three field goals out of those three possessions, that's a nine-point difference in the game. And who knows what Dallas does on offense because guess what Dallas is not doing in three situations? They're not getting the ball back where they got the ball back. So if you think about it, the Eagles score field goal, field goal, at worst, right? Field goal, field goal, field goal. Dallas then gets a kickoff, and then they get the ball wherever. Who knows what could happen next? So that game completely changed Because of those fumbles.
2: 609. 403-0973-LBI says, I love talking how to build a team. Next year, the Eagles have Slay and Bradbury and Fletcher under contract uh, with big cap hits for 2024. On top of that, Kelsey and Johnson on the O-line are 34 and older. So unless Hurts really becomes a force multiplier and how he can find some young defensive backs and edge guys fast, this team is going to have a rebuild-reload before another shot at a Super Bowl. While this is a topic that I will broach real quickly, it's more for an off-season conversation, but you just mentioned a bunch of things and guys that are going to have to be a factor for this team to make a deep playoff run. They're going to need Slay. They're going to need Bradbury. They're going to need Fletcher Cox. They're going to need Kelsey, and they're going to need Johnson, and they're going to need Hertz. If those guys do not perform, they could be one and done. So you are relying on a lot of older guys, and we can get into this uh, team-building situation um, down the road, but you just mentioned one of the reasons why this team is in a weird spot based on our conversation in the first hour. Are they closer to the arrow pointing down and them having to kind of reset this whole thing? Because here's the problem. When you sign that quarterback for that money, the problem becomes two things. Either one, he takes up so much cap space that you can't build around him, and then you become what Seattle became. And you have to think about moving that quarterback because Russell Wilson took up so much cap space that they had to start decimating the defense. And now the Legion of Boom is no longer the Legion of Boom and the defense isn't as good as it was. You can't build on the offensive line because you have so much money, you know, built on. They had um, a terrible offensive line out there. And so they couldn't pay guys, you know, to to play on the offensive line because so much money's wrapped up there. And then some certain guys on defense. And then the other point that Cole brings up, he says, a couple of years, you're going to have to make a decision on Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown. You got to find Goddard's replacement and you're going to have to find Lane Johnson's replacement. You know, that Smith-Brown thing is going to be interesting. Who stays, who goes, can they keep them both? You're going to see... You're going to get a little preview of that this off season in Cincinnati, I think. With it's, um, well, it's funny
4: you said that because they asked Jamar Chase about that yesterday, and he basically told the media reporters is like, he said without saying, I'm not answering that question. The you know basically bargain against myself because they were asking like how how are we going to be able to afford both you and T Higgins? And he goes, I think
2: Higgins will be gone. They'll keep they'll keep uh, Chase. Yeah, they'll keep Demar Chase and they'll and Higgins will end up leaving because someone's going to overpay Higgins to be the number one guy.
4: Right, it'll be like when um, Alvin Harper left the Cowboys back in the '90s, right? And because he was he was paired with uh, with Michael Irvin, mm-hmm. and then they what was it Tampa? I believe paid him like a stupid amount yeah, of money. Yeah, it was Tampa. Similar concept.
2: Yeah, you see it a lot where the, the number two guy goes someplace else as the number one, and he's
4: you know not as good generally. Yeah, because there's a reason why he's a number two.
2: Mike, I think the whole organization relies a little bit too much on the quarterback, hurts legs almost as much as it does his arms. They designed too many plays around that. That tush push is eventually going to get him knocked out of the game for the season, or they're going to find a way to stop it. Running backs are supposed to run the ball the majority of the time. Ask Super Bowl winners Kirk, Warner, Tom Brady, the Manning brothers. Uh, they rely too much on the quarterback. Well, g- generally, good teams do. You just said Kurt Warner, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning. Those are Hall of Famers. Those are guys that those teams relied on a lot to win the Super Bowls for them.
4: So I'm not. I'm you not You made sure a point we'll...
2: indirectly, and then kind of uh you got to squash your point.
4: Yeah, well, no, how... I guess
2: he's. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Are you saying that that like Kurt Warner, his team was the greatest show on turf?
4: Right, and he got the two Super Bowls with that show on turf. Then he took a Cardinals team that had never been to a Super Bowl and got them to the biggest game of the year.
2: Right, but they weren't. My point is, they weren't running teams. He's saying that running backs are supposed to run the ball the majority of the time. As Super Bowl winners, Kurt Warner, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning, well,
4: Marshall Falk had a ton of catches. That yeah,
2: year. that's I am saying. The Rams didn't run. The Patriots have never really been a running team, and certainly not Indianapolis. I mean,
4: I mean, yeah, Edrin maybe he,
2: the text message was not how it he wanted that to come out.
4: Is he? May- I wonder if he's maybe inferring, Mike, that you know the they use their running backs in a different way than the Eagles do. You know, like they they use their running backs on third and short. He's maybe that's what he's saying, and that the Eagles are using Hurts on third and short instead.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, I've said this many times. Uh, to me, the big difference in Hurts is obviously in the run game. He is not the same guy there, and because he's not the same guy there, it has. Um, put this offense in neutral. They cannot shift gears from what they are to what they want to be because he can't be what they need. Right. And if you ask me, what's the problem with this offense, I'm not blaming Jalen Hurts as much as I don't know what the problem is with Hurts, but he's not the same guy that yeah. dazzled. At, now, there were times this year he brought them back. He's had great games. And you were like, they don't win the game without Hurts. Yeah, he can play great at times. The problem for me is Jalen Hurts is not consistent enough as a passer first. That doesn't mean he's a bad passer. He is just not a elite passer right. where I can put the ball in his hands every single game and ask him to win it. I might say, hey, tonight I need you to throw 40 times, and he could do that, but I can't do it every week. I have to. The element of Hurts' surprise is what made him great. You know, I talked about with Donovan McNabb back when he was here, and he got a lot of hate. McNabb was great. He just wasn't the great the fans want. Right. The fans have an image of greatness in their head, and if it doesn't match the image you have, then the guy's not great. Jalen Hurts was great last year, but he wasn't the great that we all envision of greatness. When we see greatness, we see Joe Montana and Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Patrick Mahomes, guys who essentially make plays with their arms. Jalen Hurts makes plays with his arms, but he makes plays with his arms because of the element of his legs. He's not one of these guys that is so inept as a thrower. Like Justin Fields is just not a very good passer. But he gives himself the ability to throw the ball because of his ability to run the ball. Right, Hertz can throw if you make him throw. He's not one of these guys, we're going to make you beat us. Because he can. He just can't do it 17 weeks. Right. And I think that's part of the issue with Hertz is, for whatever reason, he is not running the way he did last year. The numbers are saying it. The rushes are down. The yardage is down. It is all not the same in that one area of the game. So we're holding it against the play caller that he doesn't have that trick in the bag. And I don't know that that's fair. So when you are telling him, and I don't know who told him, did Nick Sirianni say, hey, we signed this guy for $250 million. You can't use him the same way. Now, after Sirianni said in the offseason, we signed him for $250 million because of the way we used him. Right. But did Howie Roseman say we signed this guy for two hundred fifty million dollars? You can't get
4: him hurt. Certainly possible. We it's don't certainly we don't, possible. We're not so privy to those conversations.
2: If that's possible, then is he getting the full arsenal of his playbook?
4: And then there is the other side of it. This is a first year coordinator. This is the first time Brian Johnson has been the OC calling plays in the NFL. And we know for a fact that calling plays in the NFL is different than college. Right. Just but my Tim point Kelly. is this.
2: If you're a first-time play caller and now you've been handcuffed, sorry, you can't run this portion of the offense because we don't want to get the quarterback hurt. So wait a second. I've got all these great RPOs that I really wanted to show everybody, and now I can't use them? I don't know that this is the case. But my point is... It might be the case. It might not be the case, but my eyes are telling me that this offense is missing a key element to it that made it so dynamic. When we talk about what was the Eagles identity last year, downhill running, RPO, and then the big play in the pass game, right? Right. Thank the big play in the pass game is gone for two reasons. There's no element of this run. The RPA not hold, the RPO is not holding anybody because they don't think the quarterback's going to run. And now the run game's not downhill. Because they don't think that the quarterback's gonna keep the ball. So you have an ineffective running game, even though you have a Pro Bowl running back who went over a thousand yards, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Mm-hmm. You have an ineffective running game. You have taken away the element of the quarterback keeping the ball, and that now that has limited the big play because nobody believes that the quarterback's taken off, so I don't have to keep my eyes in the back of my head looking for him. I can keep I can play, you know, the secondary and the safeties aren't keeping an eye on Jalen Hurts like they had to in the past.
4: And can I throw one more wrench in there? A.J. Brown said that they improvised on that play that ended up being an interception during the Quez Watkins. Do we believe that was the first time they ever improvised? No,
2: um, Sirianni brought that up today. You know, he said they've done it before. This isn't, like, crazy. Because he was asked, like, is that a problem that they improvise like that? They said they did it in the Kansas City game, and it worked. And nobody says, well, hey, it worked, but why were they allowed to do it?
4: But it was did, Sirianni gave two examples. One time it worked, one time it didn't work. Is it working 50% of the time, 33% of the time? That I we don't, don't know. know.
2: Exactly. We can't go right. through so, every single So point. how many of these John McMullen, scenarios? by the way, was the one who asked them that. Yeah. He said AJ used the term improv freelancing versus an audible checking into the normal course of the offense. Just hearing, I said, yeah, they checked into a play in that situation. That was it. Just like he checked into the play in Kansas City, and it worked. This one didn't.
4: Yeah. I'm just, I'm wondering also what that has to do with this team as well offensively. How how much of the improvisation may be hurting this team's offense?
2: Uh, SportsBass Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. You'll hear what Hassan Redick has to say about something on the defense that might be a factor. My Friday 5, plus Adam Kaplan has football at 4. That's all coming up on the Sports Bash. Cove. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew
8: can
7: always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile
2: app. All right, Friday 5 here on the Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. They're brought to you by BMW of Atlantic City. Your luxury BMW experience is closer than you think. Take advantage of exceptional savings at BMW of Atlantic City. Shop the complete line of inventory online, BMWAtlanticCity.com. I'm Mike Gill. This is the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. Download the app in the Apple Store or Google Play. All right, the, the Friday Five this week, my five favorite games outside of the Eagles games. These are the games I'm paying the most attention to, all right? Some interesting games this week. Here we go.
4: Let's do this.
2: First up, Buffalo, Miami, Sunday night. Winner wins the AFC East.
4: Can't wait.
2: You on board with that one.
4: Oh, percent
2: Dallas, Washington. Want we'll to see if Dallas can lose. Dallas lose, opens the door. For a division championship. I'm not sure I even care if they win the division at this point. But, hey, it's something. Of
4: course, they'll be playing at the same time as the Eagles. Houston,
2: Indianapolis on Saturday night. The winner has a good shot at winning the division and making the playoffs. The loser could be out.
4: Two former Eagles, Shane Steichen and D'Amico Ryans.
2: Ryans a player, Steichen a coach. Right. Number four, Atlanta, New Orleans. The winner of this game could win the division. The loser could still make the playoffs if it's the Saints. The Falcons would be out. They need some help even if they do win. But that game has a lot of interesting, weird scenarios in it. Yep. And the winner of that game, if they win the division, could be an Eagle playoff opponent. That's true. In fact, it's very likely that Atlanta, New Orleans, or Tampa would be the opponent for Philadelphia based on the results this weekend. So that's a game you got to keep an eye on. Jacksonville and Tennessee. Jacksonville needs a win. They would win the division. But a loss, and they could be out. This is a team that went to the AFC Championship game last year.
4: And you always say, bet the Titans as a dog at home. They're a dog at home in this
2: game, Mike. Yeah, I'm definitely betting the Titans in this game. That will be in my six-pack of picks. You can book that one there. Falcons are, excuse me, Titans are a four-point dog at home this week. And I think uh, hearing Mike Vrabel all week long basically pound the table that they're going to try to win this game tells me I'm going Titans with that one. Yeah,
4: Ryan Tannehill out there, too. I
2: don't know if that makes me feel any better. Thanks for ruining my bet.
4: Oh, it uh, might be a good thing. It's even better.
2: There are other games that do have some factors in them. I mean, Seahawks have to win. Yep. Green Bay is playing uh, the Bears. Bears. That's an interesting game. Green Bay has to win. Can Green Bay get in if they lose?
4: There is a scenario. Yeah, I, I thought it's, like, it's, like, it's like some crazy you know out of the blue thing.
2: Yeah. So there are, there are five games this week. Finally, that I'm like I could easily find fine, and I could have found six and seven, but. Should be a fun final week. It's interesting. I mean, what's going on with this Eagles situation has really kind of changed the dynamics of this season. We're going to talk about it coming up next with Adam Kaplan.
1: 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Adam Kaplan. Powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. I
9: give my heart and soul to this franchise, as so many of
1: us do. Now live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios,
2: this is
1: Football at
2: Four. Football at Four is powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. It is brought to you by Bet365. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Adam Kaplan, co-host of Inside the Birds podcast, which you can find on all podcasting platforms or on their YouTube channel. Just search... Inside the birds and Adam is back for a look at the Eagles and the Giants. Uh, they renew their rivalry today. The injury report just came out. Adam Kaplan is fresh. We see Darius Slay and Devonta Smith. They will both be out for the game. DeAndre Swift is questionable with an illness, but uh, let's take a look at the injury status. We know Slay and now Smith will both miss this game. How are you, my friend? Happy New Year.
8: Um, uh, Happy New Year! I'm like, yeah, we have a new intro. I noticed that. I noticed that same NWO music, but we have a new voiceover artist, so well, always good to hear. So, yeah, Devontae Smith went up not practicing. the The, the, the feeling all, all around the team was, as we were told, that he wouldn't play, and that's the case. He didn't practice. Told me he came out of the walking boot, uh, like uh, um, or crutches uh, after Tuesday, and they just kept him in the boot actually, just to make sure that uh, there's some, some healing there and keeping everything. Straight, so uh, pretty optimistic. He'll play next week. They got to get there first, obviously, to start practicing on. uh, Depending on when their game would be for the playoffs, but and then Slay, it could have gone either way. The the good thing is, though, Mike, uh, you know he did work uh, this week. He got some. He he got some work in, but he did not work today. Uh, He did not work today. So that's we'll we'll have to look into that. Why he didn't work today? But bottom line is, uh, he will not play. Uh, and, and when they take on the, the Giants on Sunday, by the way, the rain. Looking at the forecast now, looks like now we know it could change. Forecast has changed significantly uh, out here. Uh, right now, it looks like it'll stop raining by the by game time. But you know, people don't like uh, players don't like playing on that turf. We've heard that for years, and uh, Slay will not be playing.
2: So Slay is out, and uh, obviously that has been a uh, interesting position uh, with him out there. How have they handled Slay being out?
8: Yeah, Mike. That's going to be fascinating to see kind of what happens past this week. We know that Ringo and Ricks are kind of splitting time there, uh, opposite James Bradbury. Now, because Slay will have missed, you know, over a month, the, the the question will be when he comes back: Is he ready to play every snap? Because not only do the Eagles do this, what they do is they they usually don't rotate their corners when Slay and Bradbury have been healthy, particularly Slay. They rarely came off the field. Most teams don't rotate corners, so that that'll be the question. Will be once Slays back, do they start cutting down Bradbury's playing time? That's something we've talked about on, on our, our, our show uh, recently. Would they consider doing that? And, and obviously, Mike, they have a major decision to make on Bradbury. Understanding signed for two more years, all the money next year is fully guaranteed, just under eleven million. But he's been so bad. That you just you have they they may have to make a decision they don't want to make because asking him to take a pay cut is, is futile because he's owed 11 million that, that that makes no sense. It's just a matter of or, do they think these young kids could compete for it or not? But the bottom line is they're going to have to really address this position uh, next season.
2: Yeah, and uh, obviously uh, you know they got some young guys who have played on the opposite side there. I mean, are we suggesting that those guys have actually played better? Then James Bradbury, do they give them a better chance to win than James Bradbury? They they get Maddox back as well. They'll get Slay, so they should be fully healthy when they go into the playoffs. That'll be something interesting. Jordan Davis uh, with the ankle. Zach Cunningham, will he be back this week as well and play? Yeah,
8: yeah Zach Cunningham, the only issue is here, yeah, he's been cleared to play. Well, he was cleared to play. Uh, for the Giants game, and on Saturday he had a, he had an issue, as we noted on our Sunday pregame show after the walkthrough they they downgraded him. So barring a setback, he will be back in the lineup. That is huge. We know Mike we've got some interesting information on their defense, which we not talked about. We're, we're going to hold this for Sunday, but it will give you a little bit of a hint. there's a, there are a couple reasons why the players are struggling so badly on defense. and it's it's obviously disappointing. They were almost, as I said on our show uh, that dropped. On Wednesday, they were almost non competitive on defensive last week or, or, on that side of the football. That can't happen this time of year. It's embarrassing how bad they were. And look, Mike, let's, you know, people have asked me this this week do the Giants have a shot? Absolutely. If, when you lose to the Cardinals, you can lose to
2: anybody. Yes, you can. Uh, when you lose to the Cardinals, you could lose to anybody, which is an interesting thing. We talked about this. If you lose to the Cardinals one week and the Giants the next, does this team look at themselves in the mirror and have to ask different questions? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, like It's one thing, hey, we lost to the Cardinals. We lost to the Jets earlier in the year. It's like, you know, those things happen. But if you lose back-to-back weeks to, to organizations like this, you might have different questions going into the offseason. Uh, what about the Giants? Uh, where are they health-wise?
8: Yeah, uh, they've got a couple guys who are hurt. So, boy, they, they seem more optimistic earlier in the week, but they're going to be without rookie corner Deontay Banks, who's been a starter at right cornerback. He's out uh, with a shoulder injury. Uh, that's not good. Obviously, Jason Pinnock has been a really good story. He was claimed off waivers. He was a draftee of the Jets. He was claimed off waivers to uh, last year, last August. And he's been a starter from at a University of Pittsburgh, and he will not play with a toe injury. So you got two starters in their secondary not going to play. Looks like the weather's going to be clear uh, when when they when they line up at 4:25 on Sunday. So that means you know when the Eagles throw it, they should have better success. So Mike, that's the thing I do want to mention. The Eagles' offense can no longer carry this football team. If they needed to last year, they could have done it. Not this season. It's not good enough. It's looked better the last two weeks. They're still leaving some points on the field, but I would say this past game, they just didn't have it. They got ball control, almost 2-1, Mike, against the Cardinals, who would have thunk it. And that, that is going to be the key here is, Mike, they, they've got to slow down Barkley. Barkley, I know, has not had a good season, but he's had some really good games against the Eagles. And this is a huge game for him as he heads to free agency, so they, they got to slow him down. If they slow him down, the chances of them winning are pretty high. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh... Barkley, by the way, was over at the Ocean Casino the other day while we were doing our show there. Maybe uh, not as focused on the game as you would uh, would like there. But uh, A.J. Brown spoke on Wednesday. Give us your thoughts on what came from A.J. Brown.
8: We're going to talk more about this in depth on signing with Jason Avant uh, on our pregame show, but I'll give you just a little bit of, of what I'm thinking. I, I know, I've know i known a lot about uh, A.J. Brown from talking to the Titans about him. Um, kind of a heart and soul, of a football team guy, one of their leaders. Uh, we had noted that the uh, Titans source told us that he was actually. Some people thought with the Titans that he could have been more, more of a, more of a leader than Ryan Tannehill, and Tannehill's quarterback. I mean, that's how special the guy was as a leader, um, emotional leader, and all that. And look, we see some of this here, but. And why I appreciate him being honest about the uh, the freelancing or whatever that case may be. And uh, Sirianni's quotes today were were odd. That he was almost saying like it's okay. I didn't quite I didn't really understand what how he could say what he said. I don't have it in front of me, but I listened to the press conference. I thought his reaction was that it was a little bit odd because Mike, remember now, they they freelanced that play, which the last play uh, against Seattle. And and Sirianni lied about that. I mean, he covered for him. I understand that. I know. I know uh, that A.G. Brown was. He appreciated that the, the head coach was coming for him. But that's the problem. You can't be doing that stuff. And who knows? Maybe they were freelancing other stuff in that game and other games. So N- N- Sirianni's got to do a better job of making sure this this stuff doesn't happen. I, I this is something we're going to look into. We know Nick's a terrific head coach. He's got a great record. Uh, I'm, I rarely criticize the guy. But this team has regressed, Mike. We, we all know what's what it's looked like, and players can't be doing stuff on their own. It doesn't work. You got you to gotta play within structure.
2: Yeah, I know. Uh, a lot of people talked about. He said today something about, you know, "Hey, they improvised." Uh, but yeah. Really, he said the word "improvise" is not really accurate. That it's really more of a an audible. But the word that he used made it sound like they're out on the playground doing whatever the heck they want. But he said it worked against Kansas City. They did it there. And this time they did it and it didn't work. So he's essentially saying, because I think one of the things that were raising eyebrows, Adam, was, well, wait a second. How often do you guys just kind of go off script on your own here? And there is there any reprimanding? Does anybody care? And he's making it like, well, this happens all the time. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't.
8: Well, see, that, okay, there's a difference. What's called a site adjustment. You know by a particular coverage that you're going to adjust your route if, depending on what the play calls and what the coverage is. These are the site adjustments are in all NFL offenses. That's not the question. The question is what you brought up. Or is there any is there a freelancing element where you do your own thing that that's what you're saying? And that that's the concern. That's something we're going we're to look into. And, but this team is is underachieved. And we'll talk more about it next week once we know where they're going to play, which almost certainly will be the Bucks. That that's high probability they'll be at the Bucks next week. Then we won't know what day it could be. It could be a Monday night game. Who knows? There was a wild card game, yep. a wild card week. We're going to have a Monday night game, so we don't know which which day it would be. But you know, the bottom line is the bottom line is they, this team's got some issues here. I, I, I'm a big AJ Brown supporter, but I also want one more thing I want to mention before we move on here. You know the body language. I know he addressed it, but he didn't address it when he. I, you know, I listened to the press conference, his little presser there, 12 minute or less yesterday. He didn't really say, like you say, well, you don't know what happens when I come off the field. But it's the body language on the field. This has been repeating. This it's been a repetitive situation, Mike. That when you're a leader, and he is a leader for that football team, you got to be better. And I, I don't know that he quite understands that.
2: Uh, all right, Adam, let's look at some of the matchups uh, that the Eagles can try to get going here. By the way, would you play the starters in this game, or would you just sit them all together? Oh yeah, to play it like a bye week. No, you're saying play everybody.
8: Oh, yeah. Now, now, what you do is, because I've talked to coaches about this over the years, they have specific people whose job is to watch the game or, or watch the score and, and let them know if the game is out of hand, then that's when you pull the starters. No, I mean, number one, you there is something on the line, okay? There, there, look, could Washington beat the Cowboys? Highly doubtful. They have a lot of players who are out this week, by the way. It, it's high probability that the Cowboys will win but, but if the Cowboys lay an egg and they're not a good road team by the way and Eagles win we know that they win the division of course that of course they have something to play for but I'm, I'm also going to be smart about it that, that's what you got to be and you know what's interesting Mike first time and I don't know how, probably more than a decade that coaches went on the record and said they are resting players See, coaches don't like doing that in fact, I know coaches do not tell the players that. They don't want them thinking about it. Just interesting that uh, a bunch of head coaches said that.
2: All right, so a couple matchups that you're looking at on offense, then, uh, that you want to see go get going against this Giants D.
8: Yeah, we'll go real quick here, Mike. So, offensively, you know, the first matchup, Goddard did pretty well. Um, again, with the weather looking like it's going to clear up. Now, assuming Swift, who did not practice today with it, the illness will be fine to play. Usually, you know, nine times out of ten, these guys – you know, they stay away from the team, and they get healthy, and they play on Sunday, assuming he's healthy. You know, the offense is pretty healthy, but that's not the problem. The defense is still has injuries. So, uh, to me, now, here's the issue with with, with uh, Devontae Smith out. They go with the committee with – because they're not going to play Julio Jones a ton. With Julio Jones, Zacchaeus and Watkins, you know, unfortunately Watkins has got to play here. He's obviously been benched, Mike. So – you go with the committee opposite Brown, and that does hurt them a little bit. You know what you'd like to see. One more thing before we get to defense: Why can't they use Swift in the running game? What has happened? Excuse me, in the pass game, what has happened there? I know that Hurts doesn't like to check the ball down, but that—that's a bad excuse. You got to dial these plays up, and he's—they have to design stuff. That's a bad coaching job by Sirianni and Brian Johnson. That—that's ridiculous. that You make a trade for this guy, and he's a non-factor in the pass game. And defensively, right Before we get out of here. You can play passively against Tyrod Taylor. He brought the the, the the Giants back. In fact, they should have won last week, Mike. Uh, Mason Rudolph, um, excuse me, Mason Crosby missed a 54-yard field goal. If he hit it, they win the game. And they better not let Barkley run all over him. Their run fits have been terrible. Uh, they're diving at, at, at plays, and this can't happen. So, Mike... The Giants will spread them out with Wondell Robinson is coming on there. Darius Slayton has scored the first match. He said some good games against the Eagles. And Jalen Hyatt, the rookie receiver from Tennessee, could flat out fly. Uh, Waller didn't do anything until late in the game against the Eagles. But you look at those four pass targets, Mike, that would worry me without Slay. The, the Giants could hang in there, folks. I'm telling you, this is a dangerous game.
2: Well, it all happens at 425 right here, the final game of the regular season before the playoffs. As Adam mentioned, they could play Tampa. It could be Monday night, and we'll break it all down right here next week on Football at 4 on the Sports Bash. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. Adam Kaplan, co-host of the Inside the Birds podcast, which you can find on any podcasting platform or on their YouTube channel. Just search Inside the birds i'm mike gill this is the sports bash and football at four is brought to you by bet three six five whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet three six five you know he looked at some of the matchups i know nobody cares about this game all that much we're just so frustrated but jalen hurts against this giants defense this is a game now the weather situation who knows but this is a game where you want to see jalen hurts maybe show that he still had now I don't know. Do you want to hold that back at this stage? Like see, and Adam's saying and, and Mike said earlier and McMullen said yesterday, and most people are kind of with the fact that hey, you play the guys and and you kinda of keep an eye on the Dallas game. Um I would ask this question. <laughs> Can't the Eagles contend with the Giants with their backup players? Shouldn't they be able to? Like, what are we talking about here? I know it's it's crazy to think, but like uh, to me, it is more beneficial for the Eagles to be healthy and maybe just get away from football for the week. You know, when, when you get to a bye week in your season, it is kind of like that, all right, let's self-evaluate. Let's self-scout. I feel like the Eagles need to treat this week like a bye week almost. And just, like, when was the Eagles' bye week? When did, It was, like, a little bit later
4: this year, wasn't it? Uh yeah, it was after the Cowboys games. So yeah, it was I mean, like week 10.
2: Yeah, we so, the exact exactly. So, you know, it was about eight weeks ago, and it was like 10 weeks. So they played 10 straight weeks and went 9-1, uh, and one, I guess, up to that
4: point. Yeah, because they only lost to the Jets.
2: Right. And then after that, you know, they've kind of fallen apart here a little bit towards the end. I just find, like, for me, you know, it might be more conducive to the team to just...
4: They were 8-1 and one at the bye week. So... The because the bye week was, even though it was the ni- it was nine games before the bye week. Yeah, so week, week 10, ten, and then since going eight and one, that's where they've lost now four games.
2: Yeah, I, I feel like there's just not enough to gain. Um, I get like if Dallas lost a game and you played your backups and lost, you might say, "Oh my god, we could have got a home game," but. In my mind, if you're the three-seed, okay? If you're the three-seed, you would play, in the first round, the Rams, most likely. Correct. If the Rams lose this week and Green Bay wins, what happens?
4: I believe the Packers could move up the Rams drop down. Let me double-check the standing numbers.
2: Like, uh, Green Bay, to me, is a team that... I feel is very average. And I think the Rams are better than average. I think the Rams are good. I don't know that they're great. But the Rams could beat anybody. I think the Rams could beat anybody. Like Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, uh, Kyron Williams. They've got a pretty solid defense. They're well coached. I think the Rams are a team that, like, you know how every year there's that team that's like you don't want to face them if they get into the playoffs? They might not win the whole thing, but at the end of the day, you might look back and say, man, we got uh, we got into a fight with that team. So I'm interested because the Rams aren't playing anybody
4: this week. They're playing the 49ers' backups.
2: But they're playing their backups is my point. The Rams are not playing anybody this week. They're sitting everybody.
4: They can still win the game, though.
2: That's not my point. My point is... <laughs> keep trying here why are the Rams sitting guys if they can move out of the sixth spot are they suggesting essentially that the Ram? I think the Rams can be the seven if they lose this game if, if the- and Green Bay wins the Rams would be seven
4: right well because the Rams the Rams current conference record is seven and four if they lose and Green Bay wins, they both have the same conference record. And then it comes down to common opponents. And I have to go through each of their schedules to decipher that. Um, I'm I mean, pretty sure that if Green the Packers Bay— Packers beat the Rams earlier this year. So if the Packers win well, there you and go. the Rams lose, the Packers will jump the Rams.
2: So if you're the Rams, you're saying, I don't care if I'm 6 or 7, essentially. Yeah. That's basically what you you're saying. You're
4: saying you don't care if it's Dallas or Detroit. Give them bring it. Right. But
2: the interesting part is this then. Let's say So right now, if Dallas wins, if Dallas wins, they'll be the 2. Correct. If the Rams lose the game and they fall to 7, Dallas is now playing the Rams. If you're Philadelphia and you're the 5, that's the best-case scenario because I think the Rams could go to Dallas and win that game. 100%. If the Rams won that game, they would then go to San Francisco and Philadelphia as the five would then go to Detroit.
4: That is correct.
2: Yes. Now.
4: Because the lowest seed left plays the top seed.
2: Correct. Now, if it was flipped the other way and you end up winning the division, and you Detroit the becomes the two. Right. Right. And you're the three, unless Detroit lost. Unless Detroit
4: loses because they're playing Minnesota trying to get into the postseason.
2: Right. Dallas beat Detroit, so they have the tiebreaker there. Philadelphia would be behind Detroit in a tiebreaking situation. They both have
4: the same conference record. So let me check their common opponents here.
2: Oh, so that's not definitive. If Philadelphia beat the Giants and Detroit beat Minnesota, then what?
4: They had the same conference record.
2: Right. So then you go to the common opponent That's thing. what
4: I'm checking right now. So they both... I beat think
2: we the- talked about this the other day in the Minnesota game.
4: They both beat the Chiefs. They both lost to the Seahawks. I'm um, scrolling. They both beat the Bucks. Let's see here. Well, Philly
2: split with Dallas. That's where it gets hard. Philly played Dallas twice and split. Detroit played Dallas once and lost. They
4: both beat the Vikings. So... Yeah, it comes down to, it. then it's strength of, um, let me double check the NFL thing, but I believe it's strength of schedule.
2: Well, it's the record against common opponents. We haven't figured out what those records are. Well, That's the bo- problem.
4: We, neither team has. So, like, Well, either- my point is this. Yeah.
2: If Philadelphia finds more value, now, of course, being at home would certainly be better for them. Okay. If they win the game, these are the scenarios for them. If you're the five seed, you play Tampa. If you win, your next game is likely against San Francisco on the road. Unless the Rams lose this week to San Francisco.
4: The Eagles have a better strength of victory than the Lions.
2: So the Philly Eagles would be two.
4: The Eagles could jump, yes.
2: Interesting, because I have read that they could be two or three. I'm wondering what the scenario would be.
4: Philly needs Dallas to lose.
2: Oh, if Detroit won, Detroit would still be a game ahead of Philly. Well, because that's how they could be three, right? Yeah, so they have the tiebreaker over Detroit. They would be two the, if Detroit lost this week. Philly would be, and Philly won, and Dallas lost because one of
4: the tiebreakers. That's all confusing on the list listening. is strength of victory. Yeah.
2: Hold on a second. So if Philly won and Detroit won, they would both be twelve and five,
4: correct? If and they both Dallas same- lost. And they have the same conference record.
2: I got that. If Dallas lost and Philly won and Detroit won, Philly would be two. They can be. Because missed. of the strength of victory schedule, blah, blah. Yes. If Dallas lost and Philly won and Detroit won, Detroit would be, I mean, and Detroit lost, Detroit would be three and Philly would be two. That's how Detroit Philly would end up being two.
4: Right. Now, obviously, the strength of victory will change depending on what happens in the Lions' So h- what
2: is the scenario in which the Eagles would be three?
4: Uh, it would be— Oh, if
2: they won and Detroit lost. No, that would be two. No, they would be two. But then you're saying if they have the same record that Philly beats them there as well. Yes. So Philly can't
4: be three? I don't see a scenario in front of me, according to the NFL thing, that hmm. they would be three. Yeah, because I thought I read Unless that there's they something could either be
2: two, three, or five.
4: Because according to the NFL tiebreaker, all right, and let me just scroll back up here. the The tiebreaker for the tiebreaking procedure—you have to scroll down this thing, past division and wild card and everything. You know, because the the main thing is common opponents, Um, you know, well, obviously it's head-to-head, then it's conference record, and it's common opponents, and then you get into all of these, you know, like best combined ranking among conference teams, strength of victory, strength of schedule, strength of wins, I mean, there's all kinds of weird here.
2: Where has this guy been all season? He says, are the Eagles still in the playoffs if they lose? What? I mean, the Eagles clinched a playoff berth on, like, Thanksgiving. I mean, they've been in the playoffs for a while.
4: Someone seriously texted that in?
2: Yeah, it says, Eagles still in the playoffs if they lose? Question mark?
4: Well, I me guess. He didn't leave his name. I
2: mean, maybe he's just not a big football fan. Uh, Josh from K Bay. Nice top 12 IPA list. Cheers, mate. Um, thank you,
4: Josh. Compliment coming from Josh from Cape Bay.
2: I did have a good list, I thought. Now, people have to remember, um, the list was made of breweries that I've been to this year. Mm-hmm. So if I didn't get to your brewery, doesn't mean you didn't have one of the best 12. I just wasn't one of my best 12. Now, like Tonewood, for instance, is in Jersey. I didn't go there. We talked about it the other day, going there and and checking it out. If I would have gone there, Tonewood would have been on my list. Fuego, you brought me the Moss Fuego, which I haven't tried yet. But Tonewood Fuego would be one of my 12 favorite beers of the year, but I didn't go to Tonewood's Brewery, so they weren't included on the list. I had to have been at your place, and I have the list of the places I went to, which was a lot, by the way. I went to everyone in Cape May County except for one. For no reason, I didn't exclude them for any reason other than just of location, like where we went in the thing. There wasn't like, oh, I'm ranking them in any order. Um, so yeah, you check out that list. I'll go over it a little bit later at the end of the show when we do our happy hour Friday picks. Give me your happy hour Friday picks for the new year. Give me something in 2024, someplace I should try. Happy new year. Any new programming coming? in 2024 for the afternoons looking to see if there's anything new happening um not to my knowledge yet anyway never know but uh I'll I'll keep that in mind I'll try to come up with something new for whatever your name is (laughs) (laughs) are you unhappy with the current uh uh afternoon programming I I can't help you with that um I'll do my best We're, we're, we're trying you're efforting I am efforting all right, Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. It's this.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Mike Gill. And I am the voice of the voiceless. On
1: 97.3 ESPN. And the 97.3 ESPN free mobile
2: app. 434 Sports Pass, 97.3 ESPN. The sound of the day. It's brought to you by Boardwalk Honda. With football season winding down, they'll give you the chance to score big. Shop online at BoardWalkConda.com. And remember, from Maine to Miami, nobody beats a BoardWalk deal. Mike Gill on the Sports Bash. Josh Henning's my producer, and he has today's sound of the
4: day. Mike, let's start with the aforementioned. You mentioned it earlier in the show about Hassan Reddick. He spoke to the media yesterday, and there are a couple of interesting elements to take from what he said. I just want to start with, Hassan Reddick now has played for a different defensive coordinator now for four straight years, Mike, and he has double-digit sacks in each one of those years. So, you know, maybe he has not been as grossly impacted as some other people have, but it is still interesting to hear from a guy who has played for other defensive coordinators and his perspective on having a different coordinator changed in season for the Eagles' pass rusher.
9: It's a hard thing to do, you know, but it's our job at the end of the day, you know, so there's no complaints about it. Um, But, yeah, it's it's definitely a hard thing, right? You you spend so much time with one D.C. and learn, you know, a new D.C. at that at the beginning of the year and trying to learn everything that he wants us to do, his terminology, you know, the way that he calls things. And then, you know, towards the end of the season, we switch.
2: Uh yeah so Redick basically saying that the terminology we're switching and uh it sounds to me that he is uh, acknowledging that this change has been an issue and um it seems to be
4: does it does <laughs> I mean, it mean well, does but does it mean more coming from someone like him is what i would ask you because he has played for different coordinators in the past.
2: Uh, Yeah. Reddick's interesting because he's a guy he doesn't talk all that much. You know, he's not like a guy that we hear all the time. Right. And so it's like, what's his personality? What's his kind of thinking with all this? But to hear him kind of acknowledge, um, I was lit- watching Pat McAfee's show, and he always has um, Chuck, um, Chuck Pagano. Pagano, the former... He was the defensive coordinator for the Ravens, and then he got the head coaching job for the Colts.
4: And then he was the defensive coordinator with the Bears when Sean Desai worked in Chicago.
2: Right. Well, where he really made his name as the Ravens defensive coordinator, that's what got him a head coaching job. And he talked about on McAfee's show about – because McAfee basically said it's fixable. He says, well, you ha- it has to be fixed. You don't mm-hmm. have a choice. You're the coach. You need to figure out a way to fix it. Right. And his point was saying – you know, how much are they getting to practice the defense as opposed to, hey, we're changing things, and now we have to get into your mind the verbiage and all of that kind of stuff. Right. So he said, yeah, it's, you know, and they look a step slow. You know, is is them looking a step slow them not trusting or knowing what they're supposed to do in the scheme?
4: It's certainly possible because it's, it's actually something that Bart Scott actually – said the same thing this week on Get Up. I'll play that right here real quick because it lines up with what you said about what Pagano was saying.
2: To me, I think it's more of a philosophy. They don't know how they want to attack and where they're supposed to fit, so they're guessing and they're not playing fast. They're playing slow because they don't know. I don't know if they've added some things to it. If Patricia changed some of the, the the fundamentals about how you fit and how we play certain routes. But zone could be turned into man as well when you think about cover three if you want to go that route. Two verticals to that side makes it man-to-man. So you got to have these guys play and execute at a higher level. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think the defensive scheme thing, it's funny because we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. On offense in Buffalo, they changed the coordinator, and it seemed to help them. Now, in Philly, they changed the coordinator in defense, and now we're saying this might be a problem. This might be – look, the Raiders, they changed head coaches. I'm assuming when they changed head coaches, they probably made some tweaks or changes in verbiage on offense, defense, or something.
4: So then is there something different about then – Redick said there's you know, there's different verbiage, right? So is is Patricia trying to make too many changes in season then – for a group of guys who are so used to things being verbalized a certain way.
2: At this stage of the season, I would think so, yeah. Especially, you know, one of the things that Pagano said, by the 10th, 11th, 12th week of the season, this is now, now you're on autopilot. Mm -hmm. The verbiage is in your head, everything is going. This is when you're starting to really spread your wings. Right. And right at the point you're starting to feel comfortable with what you were told in training camp, you're now
4: changing. Yeah, so maybe this... At the end of the day, this is just going to backfire on the I mean, they're, they're allowing over 22 points per game in the second half of three games with Patricia. So, uh, excuse me, obviously this is not working, Mike. It's it's not it's not going oh. as planned.
2: Yeah, and I'm interested to see. I, I wanted to maybe uh, get into this with Sal a little earlier in the show because we were talking to, to him about Sirianni. Is he on the hot seat? Um, are the coordinators or changes? Is Patricia the coordinator definitively? Next year, Like, hey, you only got a couple weeks, but we really didn't get a chance to let you implement what you want to implement. I right. don't know.
4: Is it, is it something where it's maybe an experiment? Like, maybe neither guy will be back next year. How crazy would that be?
2: Well, if it's an experiment, I don't think it's a fair experiment to Patricia to say you got four weeks to change the defense. You know, it's like, hey... <laughs> the defense is struggling go in there and call his defense not yours his because I don't think this is his defense this is not the defense he ran in New England
4: oh absolutely not but then again I mean we always ask the question how much of the defense that they ran in England was New England was him being the defensive coordinator and how much was Belichick because we know Belichick is a hands-on guy when it comes to the defense.
2: Yeah, those sort of things we never know. We never know how much uh, of anything, who's doing what on any particular given game, day. We heard from Mosher earlier, maybe McMullen, the one year the Eagles, you know, Peterson called plays. The other guy called plays in the red zone. The other guy called plays in the two-minute drill. Like, hey, we're under two minutes. Now it's your turn. Like, <laughs> I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs>
4: I think that was what, 2020 when it was like Rick Scangarello was like the run game coordinator or yeah. something like that. And Prestel was like the pass game coordinator. It was absolute mess. Uh, speaking of Reddick, he did talk about, because people as yourself, Mike, have mentioned, Hey, why are they dropping Hassan Reddick in the coverage? This guy's supposed to be your best pass rusher, but are you using him properly? And Reddick was asked about his, you know, modified new role. In Patricia's,
9: oh, game. I'm in this. Man, right now we just trying to get things done to win a game. Um You know, I'm, I'm just doing what's asked of me at the end of the day, and trying to help the team win and with whatever way we can win. So if that's what it calls for, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm willing to do it. I'm going to go out there, uh do what's required of me, uh, do what I'm asked to do at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, hopefully that that plan works and, you know, that'll be what's needed to get done in order for us to win.
2: Yeah, translation, I don't like it. He didn't even want to answer the question. No, I'm just he, doing whatever they uh, – yeah. translation is I'm not happy.
4: No. And why? by the way, why should he be happy? He was signed – to be a pass rusher this guy as i told you he has double digit sacks in four straight years with four different defensive coordinators so the guy has a track record mike of hey this is what i can do this is what they turn my question
2: would be then was he happy before the coordinator change it's
4: a good question because if he was happy for the coordinator change why was the change made
2: well, it's not based on one guy's happiness Other over the fact that the defense wasn't performing. But that said, um, that answer, that audio, he, he sounded like, yeah, I'm not happy with the way I'm being.
4: Used. That was a thanks, no thanks answer. That's what that was. Yeah,
2: that was a, you know the answer to the question, I don't want to get in trouble.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: essentially right I mean he, he, he was like I could be doing anything I, I, I'd i rather be anywhere else in the world right now the music than,
4: in the background was a good touch too
2: he must yeah somebody's locker playing a little couple tunes next to him yeah
4: maybe that guy should play at an open mic night uh, I would in imagine in the ocean,
2: right? one of the problems on defense right now is you have a split you have some people who were happy that Sean Desai got let go and others who were not thrilled that Sean Desai got let go. And when you have that situation, I think the result turns into what you're watching. A team that is discombobulated. You know, what did um um Joe Fortenball say earlier on the show? He said this.
5: The Eagles, right now, their 2023 season can be summed up in one word. Disorganized. They look like a disorganized outfit. From top to bottom, nobody can figure them out. I don't think they can figure themselves out. They have been disorganized from the start of the season. They're disorganized now. And disorganized is not the attribute of a team that makes a deep playoff run in this league.
2: Okay. So at first when he said disorganized, and I asked Mike McGarry about this, he says, I don't think they're disorganized. And I kind of agree with Mike. I don't know that it's – are they disorganized? You know, this past week they looked disorganized when they didn't know the personnel. That might happen once or twice throughout an 18-game season. We act like it happened one time and that can't happen. You're disorganized. Eh, if it happens once or twice throughout the season, it's going to happen. But I might suggest that they seem disorganized on defense, and that could be, hey, some of these younger players, they might be more partial to Patricia. Patricia. And some of these older players might have been more partial to decide. And I don't—I'm not just like you know, just randomly. I, I don't know who. Maybe the older players are more partial to decide. And I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I definitively would think that some of the players on defense were not happy with the decision to to bench decide, and that some people were for it. And if you have some for and some against, you have a disorganized bunch on defense.
4: By the way, I do want to bring up, somebody asked me to ask this at some point, so I'll bring it up to you, Mike. Why does uh, Matt Patricia have a number two pencil in his ear, but he has a laminated sheet?
2: He's always had the pencil. Is there a reason why he has the pencil? I'd never read anything about it, but he has had that pencil um,
4: forever. He has. I'm just wondering, though, how that works. Someone brought it up to me, and I thought I'd bring it up again. Like, it's a laminated sheet. Mm-hmm. How can you take notes on a laminated sheet... With number two pencil.
2: He said the pencil works in all the weather. It doesn't matter. He was asked about
4: it. That's great. But I've never been able to write with a number two pencil on a laminated sheet. Have you? No. Uh, so so is, is he just like, you know, making it up to sound like a cool answer? or Or are we missing something?
2: This says he's done it since college. It's a comfort thing.
4: I can work with that. That actually makes a little bit of sense.
2: You know, like, generally, I always have a pen um, attached to the pocket of my pants Mm -hmm. inside. So, like, if I have an idea... You jot it down. I have the pen with me, and I I jot it down. So I carry a pen in my pants a lot. But the pen would do me no good with the laminated paper. But I still would have the pen. Like, I've
4: seen coaches make notes during games... On like a like a uh, a paper on like a a pad or a a clipboard or something like hey I called this play all right I'm making a note but like again it's a number two pencil on a laminated sheet I don't know how to understand that works.
2: Nope, can't answer that question for you or your friend. Is he imaginary, this friend? That sounds like an imaginary friend type of question.
4: No, no, it's it's a it's a buddy of mine from high school. (laughs)
2: Mike, I haven't been drinking yet on Happy Hour Friday. It may seem so, as I'm suggesting the Eagles hosting the Rams in the NFC Championship. Well, the Eagles would host the Rams because the Rams can't be five and the Eagles can't be six or seven. So if they both made it to that round, the game would be in Philadelphia. By the way, the guy who texted in about whether the Eagles could make the playoffs if they lose, I said they clinched a playoff spot three weeks ago, and he said, oh, LOL. LOL. <laughs> For Sports Bash. Coming up, it's Happy Hour Friday, the first one of 2024. It's this.
0: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Mike Gill. Do
1: I
5: have everybody's attention now?
1: On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app
2: all right let's get into this week's six pack of picks i haven't been here for a while so i don't know where we left off and how i was doing i thought it was pretty good
4: so overall mike on the year you are 25 15 and 3 for the six weeks before you went on vacation you were 13 5 and 1
2: so i like that i feel like my bank account is uh not reflecting the same
4: I can't help you with that. <laughs> by the way, when Danny and Christmas, Ryan filled Christmas,
2: in. Uh, did Christmas did me in.
4: Yeah. When Danny and Ryan filled in for you, by the way, Ryan went 2-0. and o, Danny went
2: 0-2. Sounds about right. So. All right. I, uh, I keep
4: track of everything over here. Good. For those who are wondering, I'm 28-20-1. Sounds good. So. Uh, all right.
2: I'm going to start things off. Uh, I'm going with the Saints. Three-point uh, favorite against the Falcons. Games in New Orleans. Saints have a shot to win the division. I know the Falcons do, too, but the Saints is more realistic. Uh, I think the Saints playing some good ball here late in the season, favored by three at home. The Falcons struggle on the road. They're two and six on the road. So give me the Saints minus three against Atlanta.
4: Mike, give me the Patriots minus one and a half versus the Jets. I think Belichick wants to finish his Patriots tenure with a win. Get another win closer to that Don Shula guy.
2: Uh, the over-under in that game is 30-and-a-half, and I like the over in the game. Wow. That was my second one. Um, yeah, I mean, come on, 30-and-a-half. I know these teams are really defensive-minded, but it's the last week of the year. You see some crazy surprises, interception returns for touchdowns, something 30-and-a-half. the over Jets-Patriots. You know my last one, by the way.
4: Oh, I know. I'm not, that's why I'm not saying anything about it. Uh I'm also going to go Bills minus two and a half at the Dolphins, Mike. I, I just look at the Bills and I'm like, look, I just think they're going to win the game. I don't know how many points to win the game, but two and a half allows me for a field goal. And I think the Bills are just a better team right now. By the way, no Bradley Chubb. That's a big deal.
2: Uh, my last one is going to be uh, an easy one for everybody. Jacksonville's favored by four. I'm taking the Titans at home. I think Tennessee gives them a game. They might even win the game. I want Jacksonville to win. I'm cheering for Jacksonville here. I want to see them get in. But I can't bet against the Titans as a home doggy dog. So I'll take Tennessee minus four or plus four, I should say, against
4: Jacksonville. Mike, you know what time it is? stone cold lock, lock of the, of the century, century. Week. mike give me raiders minus 3 at home against the broncos broncos got jared stidham at quarterback and antonio pierce is coaching for that job that the players want him to have so raiders minus 3 at home is my stone cold lock, lock of, of the century, century. Uh, that's
2: our six-pack of picks. Uh, they're brought to you by Cape Regional Health System, your health care partner for a healthier life in Cape May County. Good record. What was your record? You didn't give that.
4: Overall? Overall,
2: it's 28-20-1. 28-20-1. Not bad. Still, all- Look, these are money-making picks on the season.
4: We're doing our best to help the people.
2: Uh, we are. Uh, Sixers tonight against the Knicks. You can hear the game on 97.3 ESPN. I got some Sixers news uh coming up in a, uh, on the other side. I'll update you on that and more. More Sports Bash coming up on 97.3 ESPN.
1: This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, Here's Mike Gill. All
2: right, 503 Sports Bash, Eagles and Giants this Sunday. Eagles need a win to win the division, and they need a Cowboys loss, and then that will basically put them in play for a home playoff game. We were talking uh, last hour about some of the scenarios that have to happen for the Eagles to be the 2, the 3, the 5. They cannot be the 6 or the 7. Their most likely scenario would be a win on Sunday against the Giants, and a Cowboys win, they would stay at 5. A Cowboys loss and an Eagles win, they would move into the division championship seedings, which would be 2 or 3. Now, based on what you said, Josh, last hour... You don't see a scenario where they could be three. Have we researched that any further on is there a scenario where Philadelphia could be the three seed?
4: So I'm looking at the ESPN site right now, and there is currently on the ESPN site nothing that says about Detroit being able to move out of the three spot. It looks like according to their write-up, that Detroit is locked into that three.
2: So Detroit can only be three. What about if...
4: if Detroit is locked into three, San Francisco is locked into one.
2: Because this says here, this is from ESPN.com, it says, what's at stake? The NFC North champion Lions will be either the two or three seed in the playoffs. But for the most part, they can relax on Sunday. So somewhere there's a chance that they can be the two seed.
4: Is and it maybe that if Dallas and the Eagles lose? Because if that case, then that is the oh. One so
2: I- if Dallas lost and the Eagles lost and Detroit won, Detroit would have twelve wins in Dallas, and so that's the scenario. Yeah, so yeah, they they can they can get out of the three spot with a win, and then if Dallas loses to Washington and Philadelphia loses to the Giants,
4: right? That's the only scenario we haven't discussed yet.
2: Yes. Um, so I mean,
4: what is the likelihood that, that happens?
2: Not great. Um, you would need, so let's see here. Philadelphia, they have a playoff spot that they need to win in a Cowboys loss, and that would get them the East title. If they won, they would then go to 12 wins. And if Detroit won, that would put Detroit at 12 wins. But we think that the Eagles have. Some tiebreaker over Detroit and that if Philadelphia won the division, they would then be the two seed.
4: Currently the Eagles have the better strength of victory than the Lions, and they had the same strength of schedule as the Lions currently. They both have a seven and four conference record. And when we went through their common opponents, they both Basically, they had the same record against everyone. Mm-hmm. They both beat the Chiefs. They both lost to the Seahawks, which that in itself is wild, right? They also both beat the Buccaneers, and they both lost to the Cowboys. Now, there is an edge. The Eagles they... also
2: beat the Cowboys.
4: Eagles also beat the Cowboys. That's the edge the Eagles have in their schedule. The Lions are 0-1 versus the Cowboys. The Eagles are 1-1. That's part of the reason why the Eagles have a better strength of victory on the season.
2: So... An Eagle win and a Dallas loss, Philadelphia would likely be the two seed. Which means they would play the seven. Correct. Now, the seven could possibly be the Rams. It can. Because if the Rams lose this week. And the Packers win. And the Packers win. Now, the Packers are playing the Bears. Yep. And the Rams are playing the Niners. But they're also not pl- – they're, they're sitting everybody. So you essentially have a preseason game happening with –
4: Seeding still in play here. Yeah, the only starter playing for the Rams is Puka Nakua because they want him to get the record.
2: So, with that, would you rather just play Tampa on the road in the first round and then, see, if Dallas wins the division, they are two. They would play the Rams possibly. There's a good possibility they would play the Rams.
4: I think that's a tough day for the for the for the Cowboys and that would mean the if- Rams by like I say the Rams are the toughest team of all the wild cards because of how they they're healthy now. They weren't healthy earlier in the year when teams like the Eagles and Cowboys beat them.
2: Yeah, so I mean not that you're hoping for somebody else to do your dirty work, <laughs> but if the Rams were the 7 mm-hmm. and Dallas was the 2, they would play in the first round. I don't think it's crazy to suggest that the Rams could beat Dallas. Not crazy at all. And if the Rams beat Dallas, they would then go to San Francisco. And if Philadelphia won, they would go to Detroit. That's correct. As opposed to if you end up winning the division and you're the two seed, you now play the Rams in the first round.
4: If the Rams lose.
2: If the Rams lose.
4: Actually, here's another scenario. If the Rams win... With Carson Wentz at quarterback.
2: That's right. Carson Wentz is playing quarterback for the Rams this week. Just to throw another wrinkle into this
4: weekend. Just to remind people that the six degrees of Kevin Bacon separation here. Carson Wentz drafted second by the Eagles behind the Rams. Who went Jared Goff. Carson Wentz's 2017 season ended versus the Rams. And the Rams are now the team that has him
2: on their team. I keep thinking of him getting that injury in that stadium it wasn't so far, it was uh the, it was the coliseum the, the, yeah so i keep thinking of him getting that injury in that stadium and thinking how that altered his how much that altered his career yeah. and now he's playing for that team it's pretty like crazy to think back at that play altered his career so much and now he's playing for that team and has a chance to help them with their seeding here a little bit. So
4: if the Eagles win and the Rams win and the Cowboys lose, the Eagles could be playing the Packers in the first round. The Packers in the first round. Because the Eagles are the two seed. And oh, the if the Packers, the Packers were the seven. Yeah. Right. Because if the Rams win, the Eagles win and the Cowboys lose. The Eagles would be two. Mm-hmm. Cowboys would be five. Yep. Rams would be six. Gotcha. And either the Packers or... Seahawks or Saints would be seven.
2: Gotcha. I mean, there's a lot there. Like, and that goes back to what we were talking about yesterday and earlier today is I think if I'm the Eagles, there's too much going on here. I'm just going to control what I can control and rest my
4: guys. See, that, that's hard for me to do because I think it's important because of how, how ridiculous the last five weeks have been. I just feel like you gotta give the guys at least a, a, a half to get some like good, good mojo. And then maybe say Marcus Mario in the second half, go out there and, and deal with the fact. Cause one of the problems with this team is Mike, they lose games in the second half. So if you let them play in the first half, get a big lead and then tell the backups to go over to the second half, the starters at least have a psychological positive for them going into the postseason.
2: Yeah. See, I'm not big on the whole. Psychological positive of hey, you know I, I'm just a, a product of 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 seeing it happen so many times. Wow, we looked really good in this game, and then the next game you're like, we looked really good. What happened? Mm-hmm. So the psychological positive to me is not something that is tangible.
4: I mean, teams hire these, you know, these life coaches and these psychologists and these team therapists for that reason yeah right. I know
2: I mean I know that people like you want to be playing your best football you want and then you know there's five examples of times that you could just literally be like right off the top of your head well the 2012 Ravens lost four out of five nobody thought they were going to win the Super Bowl and they did
4: we should also mention that the reason why, the reason why the Ravens team had problems was because Ray Lewis got injured that was I believe it Terry's uh, uh, tricep I believe is what he injured That's why he had that big, like, bulky thing on his arm during the postseason. So that's part of the reason why the the Ravens kind of were faltering there mid to late season.
2: You know, the Rams, when they won their Super Bowl a couple of years ago, they had a streak in the middle of the year where they lost like three out of four.
4: It looked really bad.
2: And you weren't like, yeah, they looked really bad. And I don't think anybody was suggesting that this was going to be a Super Bowl championship team. And that's
4: part of the reason why they added Odell Beckham that year. Because their offense was so messy at that point that they were like, we need somebody else. And then Odell got released by the Browns, and Sean McVay's like, hey, look, a new toy.
2: Yeah, see, so I'm not a huge proponent of like momentum, uh, how I played, you know, because I played so well one week, that's going to carry over and be the reason why my team looks good the next week. Like, I just feel like I'm going to take what I can control. And I am going to do the, like, um, I'm going to do what's best for my team. Mm-hmm. And if playing the game in, in the coach's mind to win it because they think that they need that winning feeling back, okay, that's, that's an explanation. Hey, you've,
4: lo- you've lost that loving feeling, man.
2: We have to just get some positivity back and, and playing a good game can help us with that. I don't, particularly think that it matters all that much
4: right you don't care what the righteous brothers say you're saying that i've seen this game before
2: right exactly um i think that sitting the guys the key guys like hey you know what Jalen? maybe you just need a week to kind of watch and get that taste like that anger back and that like fire back of i missed this game i want to get back out there and i want to play and i want to extend this season you know, I don't want to go home. Like, what did Darius Slay say yesterday? I don't want to go onto the – because he was asked about the Pro Bowl. Yeah. And uh was he a Pro Bowler?
4: He's not a Pro Bowler. No, no. He, what he was asked about was, you know, are, are guys focused on, you know, finishing out this season I thought strong. he said something about – Well, no, he was saying, I don't want to go to Cancun in two weeks. I'm not thinking about Cancun. I want to win a, a championship and then go on vacation.
2: So, like – having the guys on the sideline kind of watch what's going on here and maybe just getting that chance to just like, you know what? I do miss this. I do want to get back out there. I do want to make a deep playoff run. Sometimes just sitting on the sidelines, watching it makes you miss it and want to get back out there. You know, it's like when you graduate from high school and you go away to college and you're done playing sports, and that first uh, Thanksgiving, and they don't play Thanksgiving games anymore, but they used to, and it used to be a really cool thing, and you come home and watch it, those guys that used to play would be missing it. Like, man, I wish I was back out there. You can try to get that effect for the Eagles this weekend, I think, by just, you know what, watching all this, I do want to keep playing. I, I mean, do want that deep playoff run.
4: But you're describing something as psychological, because now what you're doing is absence makes the heart grow fonder.
2: Yeah, but guess what? There is a tangible part of it is I'm not banging my body. I'm not getting hurt. I'm not beat up. I'm fresh. The team that I'm playing, Tampa Bay, they're down there fighting and clawing for their win because they have to win that game. Mm -hmm. They have to win that game. Otherwise, they don't make it to the playoffs. So they're going out there and they're getting into that car crash 90 plays, and their bodies are a little bit more beat up than we are going into that last game. I don't know. I mean, to me, like that's just a small possible advantage. Why are teams so good coming out of the bye week? Well, they're a little bit more rested. So I'll take a bye week going into the playoffs because I'm not getting another one. So right. I, I think where this team is right now, there is, unless people out there are listening and think I'm wrong, and I would love to hear, give me a reason, and I'm open to it, that what could be gained by the Eagles playing this game and playing it to the best of their abilities
4: to win? And not to put words in your mouth, but I don't think you're completely dismissing what I'm saying. You're just saying, listen, I've seen teams have rough stretches, rest their guys, and then come back in the postseason. What you're saying is it's not that I – what you're saying to me, at least, is it's not that what I'm saying is necessarily wrong, but you're saying I saw the 2017 Eagles. I saw them, you know, drop the ball the last few weeks of the season, not look great, and then go on to win a championship. What you're That's saying a, well, is, by
2: the way. You brought up the 2017 Eagles, who did not look good their last couple weeks of the season. No. So much so that people wanted them to replace Nick Foles because they look so bad. But continue.
4: Yeah. No, my point is that what you're saying is, is that you've seen this story before. You've seen this scenario before. And that's why for you, you don't need the Eagles to be out there on Sunday full force. I'm just
2: asking. I'll ask you, and you can speak for the people. If the people want to text in, 609 403 what could be gained by the Eagles that I'm missing by winning this game and, and looking yeah. convincing? What could be gained by them dominating 30-10, to 35-14? You know, what can be gained from that in your mind that I'm basically uh, overlooking maybe?
4: Well, number one, if the Cowboys lose, you can get the two seed, and then you have home field advantage for at least a couple of rounds of the playoffs.
2: Okay, well, that's... Fair and it, but uh, why it's fair? It's also something that's out of your control. But continue. True.
4: Remember, the Eagles have not been to a Super Bowl when they didn't have home field advantage in the playoffs. That's but every time this Uh, century,
2: I said before, and I will say this again. My my mind is telling me flat out that um, I said this all year. Whether it's Philadelphia which there was no point of the season that we thought that Philadelphia was going to lose this division, which, by the way, will now mark the whatever straight year that there has not been a repeat winner the in last, the division. The last
4: time there was repeat winner was 2003-2004 Eagles.
2: Right. So we should have seen this coming, right? Is that, is that what we're saying? <laughs>
4: That's the tread, right?
2: <laughs> um, but throughout the whole time, I have been pretty you know, consistent on this. The team that is the wild card, Philadelphia or Dallas, mm-hmm. is not going to the Super Bowl. So my official stance would be that Philadelphia is not going to the Super Bowl.
4: So who's your, is your, is if, if, if you, if Mike Gill was to make his hierarchy, it's 49ers and then who?
2: Um, Dallas. I've been pretty steadfast all season that Dallas has been in the top five and they are, even back when people were like, oh, the Eagles beat Dallas. If Dallas can't beat a good team. They still haven't beaten a good team. They still haven't really beaten. They beat De- Detroit the other day, right? Their their losses this year. Dallas's losses this year are to Miami, on the road. Philadelphia on the road. San Francisco on the road. And Buffalo, Buffalo on the road. Right, and then um, Detroit. No, they they beat won. Detroit.
4: They beat Detroit barely at home. Right. But that's the part where I would go with Dallas. Dallas has to get that two seed. Like, if you're Dallas, you have not lost a single game at home, and you got lucky to beat Detroit. You know what? You better go out there and beat Washington.
2: Yeah, and do I think Dallas is going to go to San Francisco and win? No. But you're asking me who's after San Francisco, who legit? I think Dallas and Detroit
4: have shots. Well, like, for example, you mentioned how there's a scenario where the Rams could play the 49ers in the second round. And if the Rams beat the 49ers, which is certainly possible, then you knock out the number one team in the conference and anything is possible.
2: Well, that case scenario, yeah, now
4: you're now you're going down a road where you've got upsets that have. um, Listen, when the Packers and Giants went on to win their last Super Bowls, they were six seeds.
2: Yeah, but they did the upsetting.
4: That's what I'm saying. If they, they didn't
2: use somebody else upsetting somebody else.
4: No, what I'm saying is that we've seen people get upsets before in the postseason. So it's not it's not like we're proposing something that is like, never happened before. You know, back to your point of the eye test has told me I have seen the Ravens, the Eagles, and other teams not play well on the stretch. Well, I'm saying I've seen number one seeds lose to the postseason before. Mm-hmm. So it opens the door for everyone else. You know, and if you if you go by what some of the people who have come on with you in the sports bash this week, it's the idea that, you know, the Eagles are not an elite team. Yeah. But they can beat some of these other teams. Yeah. that are not in the 49ers.
2: Yeah, I, look, I I I will, you know, be very clear on this. I'm just giving hypothetical situations. I think if you're the 5 seed Philadelphia or Dallas, you ain't going to the Super Bowl. I mean, that's just the way it is. You're not going on the road and winning three times. I've said that pretty uh, firmly all the way through, back even when Philadelphia was way in control of this division, that whoever was the 5 seed, whether it was Philly falling to 5, which we didn't see that possibility really happening, and now it has, um, they're not going to the Super Bowl as the 5 seed. It's just not happening. So you might say, then why are you sitting your players? Well, guess what? I'm going to give myself the best. Just because Mike Gill doesn't think they can win as the five seed doesn't mean they can't. I'm just so if I'm gonna be as the five seed, I'm gonna give myself
4: the, the best, best shot.
2: shot I can from that five hole. And to me, it's being well rested and ready to go and getting my mind off it.
4: Listen, I get it. It's it's something that, you know, and I'm not dismissing what you're saying either. I just think that for me. I would like to see the guys out there because I think that there's still something to be gained from this. Now, look, as I said earlier, if you're at halftime and the Cowboys are winning like 28-3 over Washington, you know, Sirianni be like, hey, guys, backup time. We have no chance of winning the division. Sorry.
2: And just- Yeah, and I'm not against that. Like, if you played a half, like, I can understand saying, you know what, let's go out there, play our best football for a half, see what's happening in that other game. I can understand that. Um it wouldn't be, like, egregious to do that. right? So I'm not saying, what the heck are you thinking? Like, even, look, I, even if you play the game, I'm just asking, what could be gained from it? That's all. What what yeah. do people think could be gained by playing this game and trying to win it? And you might say, well, you can be the two seed. And I think we all think that's kind of far-fetched. And even if you are the two seed, do you like your position and your path that much better? Well, you might say, yeah, I like playing at home better. Okay.
4: Yeah, and I think that's the, that's the biggest point I would go with. Because at the end of the day, this team has a history in the postseason of being a better team at home than on the road. Well, everybody does. Well, not everybody. I mean, you know, Packers, Giants, we just mentioned them earlier.
2: Right, but I think ideally their history would suggest they have a better home playoff record than their road playoff Well, like, for
4: example, when the Packers won the Super Bowl, they were a road team in the postseason. The next season, they went, what was it, 15-1, and one, I believe, or 14-2. and two. They were home in the playoffs. They lost. Yeah. So, you know, some teams, it, it doesn't affect them the same way. Now, I will say that some people have suggested that coming to Philadelphia is not the threat that it used to be. That's something that I know Chris Long and um, Kyle Long talk about on their podcast, how, like, Kyle Long said, you know, I used to hate coming to Philadelphia.
2: Cyclical. I mean, there was a time where the Eagles were not, a good home team, you know, under Doug Peterson and then they kind of changed that back around. So yeah. Pretty cyclical.
4: Yeah, I mean Chip Chip Kelly lost the playoff game to the Saints at home, so that was uh ten years ago. Yeah.
2: All right. Sports Bass Live on this uh Friday night. Happy hour Friday, everybody. Uh we'll give you our Eagles thoughts and close out the show coming up in about twenty minutes. And from you now. got
4: beers to give to people.
2: I was getting to that and um Sorry, I got a little excited. Yeah, you are overly excited for my uh, Happy Hour Friday. First Happy Hour Friday picks of 2024. These were my favorite picks from you guys from 2023. And uh, so I'll give you a little insight on the the tour that I did while I was on vacation and how I came up with that list coming up next. You can go check out the list over at 97.3 ESPN. Dot com. And uh, this is the Sports Bash Live. I want to remind you about my friends over at Progressive Fence and Railing, whether it's adorable fence, a railing, a stylish deck, a beautiful awning. They've got the magic touch, experience, top-notch quality, impeccable craftsmanship, and finance options that can fit your budget. Grab a free estimate today. Say, hey, go to forgets, uh, ProgressiveFenceandRail.com. Tell yourself, hey, uh, we're looking for a new deck. What's that going to cost? Go to the website, put all the information in. They'll spit you out a little uh, little finance option for that. All right, we'll come back with uh, Happy Hour Friday. That's next. This is the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. We have the perfect.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: Traffic. You come with me. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app.
2: On right, 533 Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN. It's a happy
1: hour Friday.
2: Let us know what you're having on this happy hour Friday. And listen, you guys have given me so many great ideas and choices to go check out in 2023. I made my list of my 12 favorite ones over at 97.3 ESPN.com. So I was on vacation. Last week or two weeks, the end of December, and through the new year, I got a chance to take a lot of your suggestions, right, and go try them. So I made a list of my 12 favorite Happy Hour Friday suggestions that I had in 2023, and I picked out my 12 favorite. Why the number 12? I could have given you more. I could have gave a whole bunch of other ones, but I cut it off at 12, and – um I had a lot of fun doing this. We uh, did a day where we went down to Cape May. We started at Ludlam. Now, Ludlam is closed now, right? They're temporarily closed as they're moving into a new location. Right. So the place that I went to, you can't go and get this beer yet because it's not there. Right. Uh, We went to Ludlam. Then we went down to Slack Tide, which has a new location.
4: Route 9 South. Yep.
2: Then we went over to, I believe, Coho.
4: That's over on, um, what is that, Indian Trail? Yeah, now you're know? in an area
2: where I don't know the names of roads or the towns. Well, it's
4: technically Middle Township, but okay. it's Indian Trail Road across the street from the Home Depot.
2: Then we were at Bucket Brigade.
4: That's at Cape May Courthouse.
2: All right. Then we went to Bear. That's over on Seashore Road in Lower Township. Okay. We ended up at uh, Cape May. Cape May Brewing, yep. All right. So That's that, that ended
4: Breakwater Road.
2: That ended one of our days. All right.
4: One day. Just
2: one day. That was one day. Then we followed it up by going to Gusto,
4: which is in North Cape May,
2: and uh, Cold Spring.
4: Cold Spring, right? That's right down there. Well, literally, the area is called Cold Spring, but technically Irma. So, more right. township.
2: And then we went over to Wildwood's Mud Hen.
4: Right, and that's right over on Rio Grande Avenue. Yeah,
2: I did not make it to Anglesey, and I am sorry. I would like to get there. It was more of a time thing that I just, you know, we couldn't make it. But I do plan well, 2024
4: on... 2024 is a new year, so... I
2: w- was, you know, yes, I do plan on getting there and starting a new list in 2024. And Anglesey in Wildwood will certainly be on my list. There's no particular reason why I didn't go to some over others. Just was more the day mapped out. This was the time, yada, yada, yada. All right, so then... Uh, we went out the other way. Now, Sopo in Summer's Point also made my list. I have been there multiple times. So that's a place that I have been. By I will say this. Night. I have not been to very many of the Atlantic County breweries except for Sopo and then the three in in Hamilton. Okay. So I've been to uh, Chimney, Rustic. Vinyl. Vinyl and Three Threes. Okay? Yep. And then... We spent the day last week out in Glassboro. We went to Bonesaw. We went to Axe and Arrow. Nice. And Neck of the Woods. And I spent a day at Farmers and Bankers out in, uh, I think that's in Woodstown.
4: Yeah. I I actually really want to go out there because that place is literally an old bank. It's pretty cool.
2: So those are the breweries that I had been to in 2023. Now people have been messaging me on social media about this, that, and the other place, you know, the seed in Atlantic City. To the seed in Atlantic City, I want to get there. I am yearning to get there and try. I've heard nothing but good. I, even, we went out to dinner one night, uh, my girlfriend and I, and another, and, and some friends of ours, and I, we had dinner reservations at like seven. And I tried to recruit everybody to go to the Seed before we went to dinner, and I just could not win that battle. (laughs) Tried to get the girls ready, like, by 5 o'clock to go out to dinner. It wasn't happening. But I would like to get to the Seed. I want to get over to the Seed. Anglesey is another one that I want to definitely get to. Bonesaw was on my list. We got a chance. I do want to go to Tonewood. In fact, last week when we were at Bonesaw, um... We did talk about going in that direction to Tonewood, but it's like 20 minutes out of the opposite direction, so we decided not to do that. But that's on my list for 2024, and there's a lot of other places that I want to try to get to, like um even up in the LBI area. I would like to go up that way, even further, like Cane's up that way, Ship Bottoms over there. So. I would. Uh, by the way, somebody messaged me today. Have I been to Glass uh, Town? I have not been to Millville. We were actually going to do that a couple weeks ago, and just never got around to it because I was in Vineland. Um, I was in Vineland the first Wednesday that I was off. I was okay. in Vineland, and uh, we talked about going there, but uh, we didn't make it that way. But so, I would love for you guys to to give me which brewery and what I should try for 2024. And I will put it on the list just like I've done all in 2023. You guys have sent me so many great ideas. I have taken them, I've jotted them down, and I've gone to those places. So my 12 favorite happy hour Fridays. Now, again, these are only IPAs from the breweries I visited. Mm -hmm. So like Tonewood Fuego, which I have had. Did not make this list because I did not go to the Tonewood Brewery. So these, I should say these are my favorite drafts because (laughs) the one in the can, it's a little different, right? That's true. These are in no particular order, okay? In no particular order. And I do see um, some text messages coming in uh, on stuff, so I will uh, hit those in the next segment. But, all right, no particular order. I'm just kind of going from like, I started this, um, I started at Ludlam because that was the first place we went to. Uh, I was a big fan of Water, Guns, and Rainbows. Really good.
4: That's their standard, yep. That's that's the one they typically had. A lot of places,
2: around. the beer that's the standard is kind of meh. That's true. Like, a lot of times, like, that's the first one, which your first try is not your best try sometimes. You get better at it. They seemed like their first one was th- was very good. So, I was a big fan of that. There was one brewery, by the way, that appeared twice on the list.
4: Okay. it's a good hint.
2: Number two uh, was Mud Hen. The beer was called Gander. I don't even know if they have it there. A guy brought it to me at 99 bottles. And I actually, you know when I drank the beer? At the Christmas party. Okay. I brought the beer to the Christmas party. And you enjoyed it. And it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. Gander. Uh, I like Wildwood Haze. It's not, like, my favorite. It's a good, solid beer, but I like Gander better. Okay. All right? Got it. Because Wildwood Haze, I think, would probably be more of their, like, standard beer, maybe?
4: I guess. I mean, either that or what's, what's the one with the name of the beer? 1883. I do like
2: the Rambler to Miami, by the way.
4: I've had the Rambler to Miami. That's yeah. good.
2: Um, all right. Bone Saw Swoosh is probably one of my new favorite beers. Like, and, and I have found a couple places in our area that serve it. Nice. So, uh, and I went to Bonesaw, both the Deptford store, uh, both the Deptford spot and the Glassboro spot. They're both really cool. You ever been there?
4: I have not. I've, I've been told I need to go.
2: Both buildings are very cool. Uh, Gusto in North Cape May, they had, I don't know if they even have the beer anymore because it was for their fifth anniversary party, which I didn't even know I was going to. I walked into a party <laughs> yeah. and the beer was called Tardy to the party.
4: It shows you that Did you have the
2: Tardy to the Party beer yes, when I you went did. there
4: that day? I did. Yes, absolutely. It was I, very good. I wrote good. the article about it. It was very good.
2: Well, I was on vacation, so. Uh I like that beer. It was good. I don't know if they're going to keep brewing it, but
4: I think they will. I mean, they've gotten a pretty good response to it. You know, Tardy to the Party was also one of their um what what would you call it? One of their like, you know, first brews they ever made years ago and they've kind of gotcha. like, you know, updated it over the years.
2: Uh Axe and Arrow is on the campus of Rowan. In Glassboro. They had a beer that I just had. It's called Funk Face.
4: I haven't had Funk Face, but I like Axe and Arrow.
2: I enjoyed it. I tried three of the beers that they had there. Three. I had well, just little samples. Like you get the little samplers. The yeah. I tried three and Funk Face was definitively my favorite of the three I had.
4: We want the funk. Can't yes. stop the funk. Uh
2: appearing for the second time is Gusto's The Machines Are Learning. Now, when I went to Gusto the second time, they did not have it. I was a little disappointed.
4: That is a beer that they run out of often. Yes, because it is
2: very tasty.
4: It's a very popular beer. So
2: there you go. Gusto was the one that appeared on there twice, and somebody questioned me. Gusto twice? I said they had two good beers. (laughs) Not that other people don't have two good, those two (laughs) really stood out. Vinyl and Hamilton has a beer called My Brain Hurts. And you know what's funny about Vinyl and Hamilton? I was at their anniversary party, unbeknownst to me. Were you really? When I went there in October, <laughs> they were having an anniversary party. The place was packed. The beer was called My Brain Hurts, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Vinyl's a great spot. Of all of the breweries, Vinyl is in a really good spot because they have a pizza shop across the street. Mm. So it's easy to, like, walk across the street, get a pizza, bring it back over. Because of the challenges these breweries have with the food... I really like where they are situated because of that. Vinyl is definitely a spot you should check out. That's in Hamilton. Um, Bear Brewing. Now, my buddy texted me and said you didn't mention the pickle beer. That was the beer that he drank. I had a beer called Side Pocket from Bear Brewing. I enjoyed it when we went there a second time because we went to Bear twice. Um, I had Side Pocket both times. And they they do have a pickle-tasting beer. Have you' do. had that before
4: I have it's not one of my favorites gotcha you know if we, if bears
2: it, a really good spot by the way
4: Bears a lot of great beers they're they're a young brewery but you know they've done an amazing job at putting it together you know they're they're one of their things like gusto is you know it's it's quality over quantity so you know while some breweries might have like 18 20 beers on tap you know they'd rather keep it around like 10 to 12 and give you the best that they got
2: all right number nine slack tides counter current I know that's one that you like.
4: Counter Currents, one of the really good ones. Slacktide's one of those breweries that has a lot of really good IPAs and pale ales. So yeah. you really can't go wrong no, I, with any of the
2: options. I will say this, and this is not like a, uh, any disrespect to Slactide. The new building is very nice, but I I like the small little room that they had before. I miss that little intimacy. You know what I
4: mean? See, I like the new building. I, I like I the love... new
2: building. It's cool. I think in the summertime, it's going to be awesome when you're outside. Now, the day we went, it was an outside day. Mm-hmm. So we sat outside and it was awesome. But I'm just saying I like the little tasting room they had before. Much like I like Ludlam, the old Ludlam, the little tasting room they had. Right. I mean, you could go with 10 of your buddies and have too many guys in there. Pretty much. And I love that. I love where it's like, you know.
4: Now, when you were at Ludlum, the old location, did you ever go upstairs? Yeah. I, I you could like, probably
2: put 20 people up there. You could. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't much bigger, but I like that about it. Yeah. Um, I, I think the slack-tied building's awesome. I'm not like, you know, I'm just saying. I did, I did like their old little, I understand, like, it was out, like, it was small. You had to get bigger, which is great. But I missed that little spot because I thought their little tasting room was cool.
4: See, I'm so happy with the bigger room because I've been in slack Tide too many times Where you could barely move.
2: Well, the day I went to the new Slack Tide, the new building, which is humongous, was packed. Right. So it's good for them. Because you
4: can spill over to the outside. They're doing good. You have the opportunity to get some fresh air, get some sunshine.
2: Uh, Number 10. uh, It's a brewery called Farmers and Bankers. It's out in Woodstown. The beer was called Duva. Where's my car? Apparently, the brewer's name is Duva. Maybe. I don't know. Somebody out there's name's Duva. And he got a beer named after him. I had a beer the other day at Neck of the Woods. It didn't make my list. It was called, uh, what the heck was that beer called? Something about get in the car, Frank. Frank, get in the car. <laughs> Frank, get in the car. Here it is. Stay in the car, Frank.
4: Oh, stay in the car. Is the
2: beer at, um, I take pictures of the beer so I can remember the cans. The beer is called Stay in the Car, Frank. It did not make my top 12, but it was pretty good. It was like under consideration, but Duva. Where's my car from Farmers and Bankers Brewing? That's in Woodstown. Uh, nice. Sopo in Summer's Point, the beer is called Flake News. Now, if I was doing a ranking of my favorites, this would be probably in my top five. I really enjoy Flake News. It's a good, solid, hazy, and, um, very, they describe it as copious amounts of El Dorado. I like the El Dorado mosaic, uh, type of stuff. So, Sopo, Good spot, Summer's Point Brewing Company. Uh, And then last that made my list was in Hamilton, Three Threes Back to Reality, which I've had a few times, but that was the first time i have been to the brewery and I had it on draft out there. There's a couple places that actually serve it in the area, but you can get it in cans. But I did enjoy the brewery out there and the people from Three Threes. Very cool. So there you go. They were my 12 favorite recommendations from listeners in 2023
4: well it sounds like you got some really great beers to try out and uh, I hope the rest of everybody else listening checks them out as well
2: yeah so if you guys have one to throw my way or a brewery or a something i should try for 2024 Happy Hour Friday, the first one of 2024. I would love your input. Now, we got some earlier in the show. I like when you show the picture. Robin F. Seekin, he showed the picture of the Conchi MC5. I like this can. Really cool can. Thank you, Rob. Uh, all right, we'll give you final thoughts. Got a couple text messages. I don't even know if I'm going to pick the game because, quite frankly, I don't care who wins. <laughs>
1: The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app.
2: Getting ready to get out of here on a uh, Friday night, the first happy hour Friday of the new year. Appreciate everybody listening in. Appreciate all the text messages today. 609-403-0973. Thanks for all the happy hour Friday picks. Holy moly, here's a pick for you guys out there. I, look, Eagles Giants, I don't really know how this game's going to play out. I think the Eagles are going to play their guys. I think they're going to play for the first half, minimally, see what's going on with Dallas. I think they're going to kind of play it that way. But ultimately, who wins and loses this game, I have no clue. I don't know. Are the Giants, are they even trying to win this game? Not that they're not trying, but are, like, are they going full force here? Are they doing everything normal. This is one of those weeks where it's it's so out there. But I think the Eagles ultimately might win this game for this reason. They will do something, I would imagine, to make us come in on Monday and be like, see, they do have it in them. And that's exactly how this season seemingly is going. It will – my thought would be that they will – Do something Sunday that will make us question whether we should believe in them again or not. We'll know the playoff opponent when we come back on Monday. show. We'll be at the Ocean Gallery Bar Booking Games. Don't forget tonight, we got Sixers and Knicks. By the way, some Sixers news. Go to our website, 973 esbncom Austin Krell is going to have a story up on a big name the Sixers have interest in. Check that out on our website, 97.3 ESPN.com tonight. Good night.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you.